warning, pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 197. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Drop by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushover. Pop culture. You're listening to the only podcast with the balls to bite a radioactive spider. It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the, the leftovers. leftovers. All right, yeah. So, uh, yeah, episode 197. Uh, creeping up there. Creeping up there, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, we've had uh, guests filling in every week. Who the fuck did we have on last week? Oh, that was Shooty. That was yes, Shooty. we had Shooty on last week. Shooty. So, all right, we got uh, somebody else joining us this week. Going to play his bumper. Go, go, Power Rangers. Jacob Harmon's got his sword all up in this bitch. It's more than time, you sentient bearded son of a bitch. <laughs> Jacob Harmon, welcome. Hey guys, it's great to be back. Absolutely. Hey, how many times, uh, like, are you, like in SNL, are, are you part of the five timers club yet? <laughs> uh, I think I'm north of five times. I think it's half dozen now. Oh wow, holy shit. Holy shit. Is you that got- an accurate number? You know it's been six times? It's got to be getting close because I did like, uh, I think three episodes, then the Ranger episode. So maybe it is five. Yeah, I, you're, you're at least, you know, Tom Hanks, John Goodman status right now. <laughs> I mean, that's good company to be with, so I'll yeah. take it. Not quite Alec Baldwin status. That's like, you gotta be, you gotta be a left out in order to do that. You know well, what I mean? That's the pinnacle of achievement there. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> But, uh, <laughs> what do we yeah. give our five timers? You know, Frank, Frank could be like our canteen boy, right? Oh. <laughs> can you imagine Frank as canteen boy? <laughs> I, actually, I very easily can. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> no doubt about it. <laughs> oh, oh, all right. Yeah. Harmon, welcome back. It's great to have you back, man. I'm, I'm really excited to have you on this one. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I love recording with you guys and it's always a pleasure. Yeah, uh, way more excited to have you on this one than the last one. The last one, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, last one was perfect. We got to talk Power Rangers and, uh, I, you were pleasantly surprised with my rating, sir. 
Yeah, I, I still can't believe how many people in the uh, in the army enjoyed that movie as well. Yeah, it, uh, it was a good movie. Do you, hey, I got a question for you. I got, actually, I got two questions for you. First one's Power Rangers related. Do you think the toys are going to give us a sequel? Do you think the success of the Power Rangers toys after this movie hit, toy sales went through the fucking roof. The movie didn't make as much as they wanted it to. I don't know what it did internationally, but, uh, you know, maybe it broke even. But... The toy sales were through the fucking roof. Do you think that they're going to go – do you think the studio is going to make another movie based on toy sales? Oh, without a doubt. Uh, it's probably going to be a little bit of a lower budget, but with the amount that they're making in toy sales right now, they're not just going to give that up. Ah, man. See, lower budget, you know, that's the thing. It's like the last one, we barely got to see them uh, – you know, go go and morph and all that shit, and like I'm sure that <laughs> fans are wanting to see more of the of the Zords and the 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 special effects. But you know, I'm fine with doing it the way they did last time and give us like a more personal, intimate story. I don't want like you know Zord formers, like Bay formers. You know, I don't want that just flashy CGI the entire time. I I like the story we got in that original. I know a way they can uh, save money and make more money. They use all the new toys as the special effects. So you're saying they actually just like use like uh, stop motion filming with right, the not actual even toys? Stop motion, just like we can see the kids' hands and everything. <laughs> I mean, I'd probably watch it anyway. Like <laughs> <laughs> just fashion the toys together, and then it's it's all the new products for the first time being revealed in all those action sequences. I mean, so. sign me up. I, I, they got my ticket money already. <laughs> See, it works, and it's like you can make this movie for pennies. I'm trying, trying to think of how that would look. It sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs> it would look amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want to see the first movie edited that way. That's pretty much the ending of the Lego movie, right? Oh, is it really? <laughs> well, it, you're brought into the real world where Will Ferrell comes down to the basement. That's, oh yeah, yeah. I, I guess I guess yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. It's, I, it I, just pans back, and it's like a 35 year old guy in his mom's basement playing with his Megazords. Mm, I was going to actually suggest using the actual target audience. And by Megazords, film, but... you mean his balls, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Kimberly's pretty good looking, so two birds with one stone. Okay. All right. When you've got Megazords, you got to go to the doctor, I think. Oh, man. Yeah. Can you laser those things? <laughs> uh, I'm going to be pissing those out for weeks. It's going to hurt like hell. Sword uh, removal surgery. Man. Oh, man. <laughs> have you yeah, been Jake, a I'm excited to have you on, too. Um, I think more often than not, when you're on, you're my fill in, so I. I don't think I've actually been on too many episodes with you. No, I think in the the five I've been on, it's only been, I think, once that we've actually been on together. So I'm yeah. excited. Oh, well. All right. Now that you two have done, are done sucking each other's Zords. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Zord removal, take your mouth off of his. Uh, let's see here. Hey, uh, Harmon, you've got your own podcast. I want you to be able to plug that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I've been playing D&D for years, and the group that I've been playing with, we've been playing, I'd say, for probably two years straight, and just this solid group. And we decided that, you know, with a bunch of us having recording experience from doing different music things, that we'd try to make a podcast out of it. This is so, the only Dungeons and uh, Dungeons and Dragons podcast on iTunes, by the way. Nobody's thought of this. This is... 
Insane. You know, it's a completely original idea. <laughs> yeah, it's just like ours. Like, it's so weird. Yeah. <laughs> we cornered the market in pop culture, and you have cornered the market in D&D. I don't know why people are thinking of these. It's a monopoly. It's true. And uh, Speaking I'm Speaking of monopoly, monopoly, I'm starting a, on this. <laughs> I'm starting a monopoly podcast where we me and my friends play Monopoly and uh, Ooh, Can I get in on that? I I'm the top monopoly. hat. I call top hat. Oh, that's my favorite piece too. <laughs> then you're out, <laughs> motherfucker. Sorry. That's okay. I, that's okay. I can settle with you. All right, back to Harmon's podcast. Sorry, Harmon. <laughs> it's all good. Uh yeah, if anyone wants to check it out, you can head over to WAC. That's W H A C dot podbean dot com. Uh, you can find us on there, and then you can copy the RSS feed directly into your favorite podcast app. And you can listen to my friends and I go through the Harried and Hillsfar adventure. Your uh, instructions on how to listen to the podcast weren't uh, weren't hard at all. Yeah. No, it's exactly. pretty straightforward. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think if you roll a D100 and you get over 50, you'll be able to find it. That's true. You do have to make a wisdom saving throw, and then if you pass, then you can actually download the podcast. And uh, once you get to the bridge, uh, answer three riddles from the uh, bridge troll, and uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, and then uh, after that, you can listen to the podcast. So yeah, good shit. All right. So <laughs> the bridge oh. troll joke kills me every time. Oh, I know. I, I, classic. I, when was the last time I used it? Episode 55, Jake? Come on, give me a break. No, I, no, no, I wasn't being sarcastic. <laughs> I know. I was. Uh, let's see. Hey, hey, Jake, uh, you got a shout out. Yes, yes. I want to do um, talk a little bit about the stuff that's going on with me a little bit recently and thank a bunch of people. Um, a lot of our listeners know a lot of this, but I'll tell kind of some of the more of the details. Um, my mom passed away just under a month ago. And before that, she was given three to six months to live, and um, it was right before the 4th of July, and it kind of made me think that I really needed to throw a giant 4th of July party for my mom. Um, It's always been her favorite holiday. Um, We always used to go out of town and buy fireworks and kind of do a big festival, and she just loved it every year. And it's something that actually kind of stopped in the family About a decade ago, um, I dated a girl whose birthday ended up being on the 4th of July, and she was not a big fan of fireworks and pretty much scared of them. And because of that and her not wanting to, you know, do the big firework thing on 4th of July, it kind of put the kibosh on the party we used to do. And that was always a point of contention with me and my mom. There wasn't a year that went by when we after we stopped doing it that she wasn't a little bit upset that we weren't going to do it that year. And so when all I heard all this news, it was just the first thing I thought of that we have to we have to bring this back. And I asked her if she wanted to do it, and she was very excited about it. I asked her if I could use her name and image to try to raise money for the party because I was struggling with funds and everything. And I did that. I started a you caring website, and with thirty different donations, we were able to raise a thousand and ninety five dollars for this party. Wow! And I want to go down the list and thank everyone individually, but I mean, it's, it's, this is a really tough subject for me to talk about. I mean, but it was one of the most beautiful things in my life, um, being able to do this for my mom. And like I said, she was given three to six months to live and she made it one month and a day, I believe. And she passed exactly a, a week after we had this party. And the party was just such a godsend for me because it was something that, kept her mind occupied 
while she was going through all this and accepting what was going on and dealing the entire time she was made happy by knowing we were going to do this party. And I mean, I could see the excitement in her eyes and in the tone of her voice. It was really like that one thing of happiness that she clung to until the very end. And I, I'm so appreciative of everyone that donated this. It was so special to me. I'm going to go down the list. Um, I apologize if I mess anyone's name pronunciations up, but here we go. It's uh, Brooke Daughtry, Stephen Loveless, Joe Martin, Scott Schutte, Larry Midday, Philip Galay, Chris Gonzalez, Jared Gafford, Greg Calente, Dan Hunter, Sarah Edwards, Dan Murphy, Ty Purvis, Dan West, Mark Busking, Brandon McLean, Nicholas Brousseau, Josh Davis, Derek B., Jonathan Counts, Susie Williams, Michael Stevens, Sage Kelly, Johannes Tortison, and Eric Wade. Um, and there's also about three or four anonymous donations in there. And if those are any of you listeners out there, I just want to thank you so much for donating to this cause. It, I just like, uh, it was so special to me. And it's a moment that I'll never forget for the rest of my life. It, it was amazing. And I have a 19 year old brother and he's my only, um, sibling and the only other son or daughter of my mom and i mean i want to express his thanks too it was it meant so much to him too um he was a little bit too young to actually get a light any of the fireworks back when we used to do this in the day before it stopped so it was really special for him to kind of finally get to be a big kid and be part of the firework crew and i know it's something he'll never never forget either um brian you got to come too i know yeah yeah <laughs> there not only was you know she happy for the party but everybody else was too it was a lot of fun and jay showed up and we had a great time yeah it was amazing it was and you know it's not a good firework party without a few mishaps too and we definitely had our share of that with uh <laughs> mortars blowing up in front of our faces and, oh man I had, I had one blow up like right by my right ear <laughs> <laughs> oh man i had me and my brother one came out of the tube and just hovered there for a moment and i'm just like staring at it and then it just explodes right there and it i was describing it as when you see havoc the x-men uses powers in the comic book it was like these rings of white light shot at me oh, and and I was just fucking deaf. Uh, <laughs> I turned to my brother, and he's, like, completely shielded from it. And um, he's just laughing so hard. I was like, oh, my God, I can't see. And he's like, did you not turn away from that? <laughs> but luckily, I was fine in about, like, 30 seconds. But, uh, yeah, for a moment there, I thought maybe I'd lost my sight. So good times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was a great time by all. I think everybody had a great time. And, uh the weather, amazing. yeah, weather was good, and so yeah. Uh, I ended. Up, I think we had a hundred and twelve Roman candles, and we tried to have as many people shooting them at the same time as possible. And it was one of the neatest things I've ever seen. Oh. There was a moment where probably like thirty to forty of these things were all going off from different areas at once, and it was incredible. I love the ones that would uh, blow up and then had the uh, parachutes that would come down all over the place. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's uh, another thing too. I um, I had to, I went back over there to be part of the cleanup crew the next morning as soon as the sun came back up, and it it was like post apocalyptic over there. <laughs> it was, we actually got the snow blower out, and I was using the snow blower to like blow piles of papers and stuff all into a big oh, pile man. to sweep up. 
Yeah, they should just make that shit like biodegradable, so it just like dissolves when it rains or something. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I just I'm sorry it took so long to thank everyone. It's just it's kind of a, a little bit of an emotional subject for me to go on about still, and you know it still is. But I definitely want to everyone who donated. Thank you so much. So yeah. it, it was incredible. All right. So uh, yeah, um, let's see here. Let's move on into. Uh, I got a couple more things. I wanted, uh, oh yeah, I was on, uh, the animated Batcast with, uh, Paul and Rebecca, and then they had special guest David, so, uh, I was on their Mask of the Phantasm episode, so go to iTunes, download, uh, that episode, uh, the Mask of the That's Phantasm. That's exciting. I wish I could be on the animated Batcast. I, <laughs> you were. <laughs> <laughs> you were on the last episode. <laughs> Right now, Paul's kicking himself like, oh, man. Yeah, Paul, you fucked up. You know, no, oh, man. Every, every once in a while, I don't want to coddle people and be like, ah, it'll be all right. No, you, you fucked up, Paul. <laughs> yeah, hit the, hit the panic button. I'm so. kidding. I'm kidding. Paul is uh, Paul's a great guy, and he was a great host. I had a lot of fun on that episode. They kind of let me run wild. Like uh, yeah, I had a lot, of, I had a lot of fun too. It's a good time. I'm hoping at some point we get to uh, try to re-record that episode. Yeah, every once in a while you, you you guest on somebody's podcast and you kind of feel restrained. You know, you kind of feel like you know you feel like you're coming in there. You're like a fucking stallion, right? You're ready to, you know, you're ready to fuck some shit up, and uh, <laughs> you got your, you know, you got you you got your big fucking stallion dick and you're ready to fuck something you know and uh you get in there and they cool you off real fast like no paul just lets you go fucking hog wild say whatever the hell you want and it's a good time so i i really enjoyed myself you know yeah it was, it was a lot of fun i yeah. really getting me back into watching some of those old episodes of the batman animated series too. it was a lot of fun for you three that recorded that night nobody else yeah yeah exactly last episode and all uh, Lost episode and all. Yeah, episode 200 coming soon. Uh, we got this one, uh, 198, 199, and then boom, right around the fucking corner is, uh, yeah, and we're, we're taking a week off. Is yeah. that what I saw you posting? Yeah, we're taking a week off for, uh, specific reasons. Uh, we're gonna take the week off of like, what is it, August 18th, 19th? That weekend. Yeah, 19th, 20th. Yeah, 19th, 20th. Yeah, we're taking that weekend off. You're not gonna get an episode. Uh, you know, I'll tell you right now, maybe I'll throw up a, you know, a classic episode. Probably won't, but you know, <laughs> in the meantime, you can look forward to that episode coming out the or not coming out. The first ever, uh, Wrestling Jabronis live meetup will be happening that weekend. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, was gonna ask you about that, uh, never. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Yeah. That's the thing. You know, even Shooty, Shooty like shot me a text message one day and he's like, I hear what you mean, Brian. Jake is way more excited on that podcast than he is on PCL. Shooty really said that? Yeah, yeah, he shot me a text. I, I still defer to my defense when this was last brought up. On that podcast, I am considered the host. Yeah. And, I, and I, that's like because of having that responsibility, I try to be a little bit more energetic. Hosting's not fun. No, it's not easy. It's not. It's not. And it's not. Like, I've been doing it for so long now. I can. But the first two years of hosting was hell. Fucking hell. Oh, my God. I hated the first two years of hosting this sometimes. It's just fucking hell. Because you got to keep things moving, you know? And then I got you fucking two jack wagons throwing monkey, 
throwing monkey wrenches into my shit every other week. And so, you know, (laughs) there's Jake getting arrested again. Uh, no, it's just on-air shit too. It's just like uh, this is not going the way I thought it was going to go, you know. And it's like, yeah, I'm being a little bitch, you know. So, but uh, <laughs> no, it's uh, it, hosting's not easy. And uh, but, fucking uh, shooty trying to cause drama. Oh, he, I think he was joking, but uh, you know, but he did hear it. I think he did mean it though. And don't take it yeah, back, shooty. You fucking said it and you meant it, and I still fucking mean it. Jake, you fucking you you get so hyped and you're laughing. It's like you're on a, a first date and shit, and you don't really know with all the fucking uh, fucked up shit about the other person that you're on a date with, and they don't know all the fucked up shit about you, and you're all happy and giggly and shit. And then you come here with all of our fucking baggage on PCL, and you just you know you're just fucking barely you know walking through this shit, you know. <laughs> Just, you know, it's like, you know, no, it's like sitting on the couch and just watching TV. Like, we don't talk anymore. You know what I mean? Aw, that's sad. No, we we used to talk to me for hours. (laughs) I'm not denying any of these claims. (laughs) Everything you've said is 100% true. I'm moving on myself. I'm moving on. I'm yeah, you know, Whatever. Whatever. This is hopefully Jay doesn't start. If Jay started a podcast tomorrow, <laughs> would you be crushed? Oh man, it would kill me. <laughs> God, I'd be like driving over. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. This week's sponsor, the Suicide Prevention Line. Yeah. <laughs> I tried that out myself last week, guys. So yeah. Oh man, I love that you just recorded me laughing pretty hard at a suicide joke. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm in the same boat, so. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Whenever yeah. I need a good laugh, I put on that old 13 Reasons Why. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that 11th reason cracked me up to this day. Oh, the 11th reason. <laughs> Don't it's even get reasons. me started on number 11. <laughs> it's one of those reasons that gets funnier every time you hear oh, it. Oh, man. I think that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I think you guys might have to take a trip to, uh, what was it, Dr. Marvin Monroe's Family Therapy Center? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Have a little counseling session. <laughs> right. I actually just watched that episode the other day because it was on uh, FXX. Oh, yeah. That, that episode is pretty terrible. A lot of that season one is. <laughs> yes. Are you guys ready to move on into Good Pop, Bad Pop? Let's do it. All right. Oh, yeah. Go. I got a few things i want to talk about here real quick at the beginning but here we go it's time for good pop bad pop it's time for more leftover reviews with good pop bad pop good pop bad pop is where we talk about the things in the previous week and or weeks that we either watched or read sometimes we rate these things and if this is your first time listening to the podcast we want you to be familiar with our rating system man that just comes right off my fucking tongue isn't that crazy every fucking week It's beautiful. Yeah, I just fucking, you know, that's just, that's old hat right there. It's almost like I don't care anymore. You know what I mean, Jay? (laughs) Yeah, just going through the motions. Yeah, yeah, there's no passion, you know? It's like we, we do the same thing every time, you know? It's like, uh, a little bit of foreplay, uh, you know, uh, missionary flipper over, and then I'll finish your doggy on your back, you know? You want to break up? Uh, Am I reading these signs correctly? Hey, hey, I think we need to move on. We can have some breakup pod and then we can move on, right? 
Yeah, we'll talk to different podcasts for a while. Oh yeah, that's how it always starts, right? <laughs> I feel like the kid in the marriage that's breaking up right now. <laughs> like, oh my god, it's all your fault, you little shit. God damn it! Hey, here's now the I suicide. Gotta go hang out with a supercast. What the hell? Here's the oh, suicide. Worry, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy you the nicest vinyl set you've ever seen. Oh, you're my favorite now. Everything will be okay. Uh, so what did your father say about me? <laughs> uh, it's not true. It's going down a dark road. Yeah. No, I was going to I was I was going to give my uh teenage child Jacob Harmon the uh, suicide prevention line. You're going to be needing it. So. <laughs> uh, mommy and daddy don't love each other anymore. Is it my fault? Yeah, it is. All right. Yeah, uh probably. Yeah, it's time uh rating system. Here we go. We rate some uh things. <laughs> Not so smooth now. Yeah, we're gonna have this smoothie talk over here. All right, rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right. I want to talk about three things real quick before we jump into other things here. I, I'm going to talk about them real quick. I did, and I promised to talk about this last week, and I didn't. Uh, I watched the uh, Image Comics uh, documentary on Amazon Prime. It's called uh, The Image Revolution. And uh, it's a documentary about the culmination of Image Comics, the founders leaving big comic companies like Marvel to start their own publisher. And uh, you've got big names in here. I mean, uh, you got your Rob Liefeld, Todd McFarlane, Mark Silvestri, Eric Larson, Jim Lee, and a bunch of, you know, Robert Kirkman's in this. Um, I'm just going to let everybody know it's it's a fantastic documentary. I give it a Tupperware. It should have been called, like, Straight Out of Comics because it's, like, Straight <laughs> Out of Compton where, you know, you, these guys from this group – um, they become wildly successful and then go off and do their own thing. Um, but even then, when they're doing their own thing, um, it's, they start to break up. So it's, um, it's a fantastic documentary. I mean, uh, I learned, I mean, a lot of the stuff I, I remember at the time, you know, like reading it in magazines and things like that. And, you know, um, I remember like the big comics explosion, the collector's market and like these guys selling like, you know, six million copies, eight million copies of books. And and uh, but this really you got the, you got the talk to they talked to the creators. They interviewed them and uh, it, it's absolutely phenomenal. I don't want to talk about it too much. I just if you have Amazon Prime, you got to watch it. Um, Liefeld. So, go ahead. Can go I ahead. ask some questions? Yeah, go ahead. Do they do a good job? Do they like they don't flatter any of it? Do they like they kind of show the because there's some shadiness in there? Oh no 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 yeah they, they get into that. I mean I don't know how dark and it, it sh if it could have gone da any darker, but I mean yeah. they get into like a lot of the disagreements between you know um, McFarlane and Marvel, and then just McFarlane and Liefeld and yes. and Eric Larson and Liefeld, and I mean it really. It really shows kind of like the deterioration of those friendships and then it shows, you know, how they kind of like, I guess in a way reconnected. I don't know if you can ever like build back what they had after like, you know, people say things, things come out. I don't know if you can ever get back to the place where you were. Um, but, uh, it, it, it's, it's a great documentary. I, I love Todd, Todd McFarlane anyway. 
I think yeah, me too. I think he's a great guy. Um, there's some Rob Liefeld mocking him in this. Yeah, just doing like his uh, his Todd McFarlane impression. It's, it's I, I I was cracking up. A lot of people are like, "Ah, Liefeld's a dick," and yeah, yeah, fuck yeah, he's a dick. But uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm actually cracking up during it, and and uh, I don't know. I I loved it. I thought it was a fantastic documentary. You got to see a lot of. A lot of great names in the industry, and uh, do they show much uh, Jim Valentino? He's pretty batshit crazy. Uh, I'm trying to remember if he's in. He's not in a lot. Um, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> you know, you get your Robert Robert Kirkman in there, which was really cool. Um, and um, so I, I love it. It's called uh, the Image Revolution. It's on Amazon Prime. It's an absolute Tupperware. I highly recommend it. Um, next thing I want to talk about, real quick. Finished, uh, yeah, I'm a bad Fargo fan, but I finally finished Fargo season three. I watched like the first four episodes and it was good. It was really good. I was enjoying it, but it, I was still, there was other shows that I was liking a lot more. I was watching The Leftovers and then I got into my whole Breaking Bad thing and I kind of put Fargo on the back burner. I was like, ah, I'll watch it later. Um, I finished it. It is a Tupperware. Noah Hawley does it again. It's great. It's just not as good as seasons one and two. I, I'm going to go season two is the best in my opinion. And I know everybody, there's people out there. I like season one better and that's cool. Billy Bob Thornton's great. You know, I like it too. Um, you know, Martin Freeberg is Jacob Collin. Martin Freeman was great in that too. <laughs> um, it's a great season, but I really thought season two was just phenomenal. I love the, the time period it was set in and I thought, it's the best thing I've ever seen. Uh, what's her name? Kirsten Dunstan. Um, since since fucking interview with the vampire. To be honest with you, um, <laughs> wow. She was she was phenomenal in this series, Jake. And then I love Jesse Plemons. I've been a big fan of his since you know Friday Night Lights. So, um, but yeah, Fargo season three. Uh, it's 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 really good. It's got uh, what's his name? Uh, Thulis plays the villain in the show. Um, Lupin, Professor Lupin. He's in that. Season. Oh, I forget what the actor's oh, awesome. name is. Uh, Doug Thulis, I believe. Or uh, you're, the Thulis is correct. Thulis, yeah. It's, I don't know. He's got a fucking regular name, like David. David, yeah, David. David Thulis. Mm-hmm. So it's really good. I enjoyed it. Enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, I took a sip of water. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> My mouth is dry, people. It happens. Yeah, I bitch a lot. Fuck. <laughs> it happens. This was the season three was the worst season, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you if you're gonna compare, you know what I mean. If you're gonna compare, you know, three great things, it's the least best, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Is there gonna be a season four? Season four. We got Noah Hawley reportedly working on a Doctor Doom movie. He's doing the second season of Legion. So. He says if he's got something good for Fargo season four, he'll come back and do it. But it's not set. So um, I think we will eventually get it. Uh, I think when we do get it, it will be the final season. Um, I think that this guy's going to be moving on to films. I, I don't know how he's going to do when it comes to films. I mean, doing TV shows and films are completely two different things. So it'll be interesting to see his uh, Doctor Doom movie. But I think once he gets done in about, I think maybe in two to three years, we'll get uh, Fargo season four. I think uh, FX will gladly welcome him back to do Fargo season, uh, season four. Carrie Coons is pretty good in this season. But she was way better in the leftovers this season. So, 
Did she win? I know she was nominated. No, for uh, Fargo, I believe. Yeah, for Fargo. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if she won or not. But um, she was way better in Leftovers, in my opinion. I thought she was good in Fargo, but she's way better in Leftovers this season. Oh, agreed. That show just got totally snubbed, though. Final thing that I want to talk about here before I let you guys jump into some other stuff. I got some other stuff beyond this, I thought. All right, yeah. No, I just got two more things that I want to talk to you guys about. Uh, Room 104 on HBO. Have either one of you guys started this? No, not yet. Yeah, not yet myself. Room 104, it's, uh, it's, it's a new HBO series. It premiered on July 28th. They've got two episodes out right now. Uh, the show, it's set in a single room of an average American hotel telling a different story of the assorted guests who pass through. So, it's kind of like, uh, I don't know. It's basically like if you took the movie Four Rooms and then mixed it in with uh, like uh, stuff that we grew up on, Jake. Tales from the Dark Side, Tales from the Crypt, uh, Monsters, those types of shows. Uh, but everything's set in one room. So you get – Yeah, that's fascinating. It's like an anthology show, but yet it still has continuity. Exactly. Like you get the same room every time. So you're looking at the same room, the same bathroom, but each time it's a different story. And uh, there's only two episodes out right now. Uh, it's created by the Duplass brothers, Jay and Mark. Uh, a lot of you will know Mark from The League. He was on the show The League. And uh, I love – this is not their first collaboration. These guys have worked together on other things. I, I love the Duplass brothers. I think they're great. I am going to give this – so far, I'm going to give it a high taste. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. It's just – it's not. It, it's not like it's not a full Tupperware yet. I, I love it though. I'm going to continue to watch it. I want to see these stories unfold. The first story is a, a babysitting story, um, and the second story. And it, who did that star? I can't remember. Um, can't remember the name of the actress. Uh, younger. So is actress. it is it funny? It, yes. What genre is it? Yes and no. It depends on which week. <laughs> That's what I'm okay. guessing. From what I've seen, I've seen two completely different stories that take place in this room. Um, there can be supernatural elements. But there don't have to be. It's that's that's what this show's about. It's like you don't know what's going to happen in each episode. There's always kind of like a little twist though. Um, nothing is is what it seems, but it doesn't necessarily mean like this room is haunted. I mean, there, it's, it's bizarre. Uh, the second episode starred, uh, uh, James Vanderbeek from Dawson's Creek and, uh, what is that? What's that football movie where he plays Johnny Moxon? Mox. Oh, I have no idea. No John, idea. <laughs> Johnny Moxon. The, the Mox. And, uh, you know, he, you know, he, he looks like, he looks like a young Scott Bakula. I've always thought that. Yeah, I can see that. He always, yeah, he, I can see it a little bit. Yeah, and now he's looking like Scott Bakula did back in the Quantum Leap days. So, <laughs> it's weird. Perfect cast for Leap. our, uh, yeah, for our reboot. There's the casting. No, you bring Scott Bakula back. You don't reboot it. You just continue the fucking story. You hear me now? That works for me too. I just want more Quantum Leap. <laughs> so do I. I want, I want, I want a lot more Quantum Leap. Yeah, the second one, the second episode of Room 104 was, uh, Clark Duke. Yeah, he was in, uh, what was he in? Not super bad. He was in the other one that wanted to be super bad. I don't know. He was in that, he was in that, oh man, Seth Green was in it and they went to that Amish rum springer party and. Oh, uh, not Euro trip, road trip or sex drive? Sex drive. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, he, Clark Duke from that and he's been, he was in Hot Tub Time Machine. 
I've never seen that. Oh, yeah, John Cusack's in that one. I actually enjoyed it. <laughs> I liked it. But no, the, the second episode, Clark Duke plays a uh, pizza delivery boy, and he delivers a pizza, and uh, weird shit happens when James Vanderbeek opens the door. And uh, you got to watch this show, man. If you if you grew I like, I think, like, younger viewers that didn't grow up with, like, Tales from the Dark Side, Tales from the Crypt, and, like, monsters and stuff like that, I think this will be that to them. I think, you know, for me, I've, I've watched a lot of, like, shows like this before. Um, so, but it's cool. Oh, I, I, know, I know Clark Duke. He's, uh, he was on The Office. Was he? Yeah, see, I yeah he was one of the temps for a bunch of episodes. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, definitely check it out. I'm going to give it a high taste it so far. I mean, there might be some Tupperware episodes, but I think both episodes that I saw were both high taste it. So, nice. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely check it out. Room 104, HBO. Uh, Jake. Jake, uh, yes. let's save Dark Tower for last. How about that? Okay. All right. Uh, Harmon, I want to talk to you, sir, about Atomic Blonde. I know you saw it. I sure did. All right. I want you to talk to me about Atomic Blonde. What did you think? Uh, right off the bat, this movie was, like, made for me. It's a, it's a fucking Tupperware. Uh I love the setting because, I mean, it's set in 1989 during the fall of the Berlin Wall. It's, I think, the perfect blend of, like, John Wick with a little bit of James Bond. I mean, Charlize Theron absolutely kills it as a leading lady in this. Uh, the the fight scenes are brutal. Uh, sometimes you just feel so... The movie made me feel really uncomfortable at a certain point at, at just how brutal the fight scenes were. Uh, the soundtrack is absolutely stellar i think it's safe to say that this is probably my favorite movie of the year so far all right Harmon. what's it about can, can you can you explain the plot to me so the whole deal is that there is a i think it's mi6 agent which is like the british special ops who's going to try to tack down a like double agent who's working in eastern europe or uh, I think he's working in East Germany, and there's a another double agent who they're trying to smuggle from I think East Germany to West Germany, uh, and they decide to do it during a huge protest leading up to the fall of the Berlin Wall. So she goes over there, and it turns out that they they uh, Russians knew that she was going over there, and they were out to get her from day one. And it's just kind of the story of her going through trying to get this person out alive while being betrayed and forming a kind of another alliance with the the girl who played the the new mummy and how it all turns out at the end. I don't want to give away the ending because that's a, a pretty big spoiler. Yeah, yeah. The ending for me is the best – one of the best parts of the movie. Um, you had a completely different experience than me though, Harmon. Um I, uh, I still, I still could not explain, like, if somebody put a gun to my head, like, and told me, like, to explain this fucking movie, I couldn't. There's no fucking way. Really? Yeah, this, and it's because the movie, when you, it, it has, let me just, let me stop, okay, it has spectacular fight scenes, it looks visually stunning, David Lech has visually given us a stunning film here. The locations are amazing. Uh, you know, I, I love the 1980s setting, like you said, Berlin, London. Uh, each, like, every frame of this movie is gorgeous. I love the way this looks. And, and Charlie's throne, I mean, she's, she's, 
totally believable as an action star. She's so good in this. I mean, there's some really cool shit. Just visually, like, like you were talking about, like when people, you know, fight in this, like they take, they take blows and it hurts them. They're not like, you know, like not since like Die Hard have we seen people like get fucked up and it actually hurt them, you know? And even oh, yeah. it's not like your normal <clears throat> spy movie where, you know, someone's getting beat up and then a minute later they're fine and they're yeah. good to go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then the action sequences, the the one action sequence and everybody's going to like rave about this once they've seen it. You know, just like kind of like when you watch Daredevil, the first season, everybody was talking about that hallway scene. Like now everybody's going to be talking about this stairwell scene and then like the the driving scene that that whole cut, that whole the way they they did that. It was like a one cut. And uh, there was some fancy editing that they did. I mean, it's not actually one cut. They did it. They made it look like one cut. There's some fa- fancy editing that they did. It's amazing that that long action scene is. It's probably the best action scene I've seen all fucking year. To be quite honest with you, um, there's the action scene with the hose that's absolutely phenomenal. I loved that. Um, that sound- was a really unexpected scene. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The soundtrack, I loved it, Harmon, but it felt like Suicide Squad. It felt like these songs were forced, you know? I mean, what they had, they played like, what was it, like London's Calling or whatever while she's in London. Yeah, they had some Clash in there. They had some David Bowie. Yeah, but she's like running away and then they played like a flock of seagulls. And I run. I'm like, this is just too on the nose. The only thing I liked was the uh, George Michael song. It was so out of place. You know, like during. I can that. see that. Yeah. Everything else felt like really Suicide Squad forced. I, I love the songs though on their own, but just like not in this movie. Um, this, my biggest problem is like when they weren't fighting or there wasn't like cool music or whatever. It's boring. I mean, the story is not engaging at all. The characters aren't engaging. McAvoy tries to be interesting, but. I was bored throughout most of this film. Like, story is crucial for me. And you can throw all this other shit in there, and it just didn't work for me. Like, I had a problem with the pacing. Like, we would see, like, the story being played out, and then they'd go back to that interrogation room, and everything would slow down again. And here we go. We're talking to John Goodman, and she's got no personality in that room. And it's like, god damn, I... And then now we're back into the action again. And the pacing was all over the fucking place. And I, there, it was all sizzle and no steak. I'm, I'm, Atomic Blonde was Atomic Bland. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna toss it because of the story was so awful for me. Um, I, and I know people are gonna think I'm crazy. I, you know, it just, it's, it's got the tropiest fucking spy thing to, like the whole, the whole, uh, the whole plot is like there's these double agents and we got to get the list of the double agents. It's like how, how many fucking spy movies do this? Every one of the spy movies do this. It's like – Oh, for sure. It's definitely a tropey movie. I just think that it did the tropes really well. And I, I guess I kind of went in expecting it to be a visually stunning tropey movie and I got what I was expecting. I See, I went in thinking it's going to be John Wick with, uh, with a veg and that's not what I got. I mean they – it, I mean, it had John Wick, some John Wick action scenes in it, but it was slowed down and God, it was, 
it was brutal. It was brutal trying to follow this fucking convoluted story that would like go all over the place. And, uh, I didn't care about any of the characters. Um, I didn't care about like, she's got, she's got, ze- she's got zero personality. I'm not connecting to her at all. Like she's, I don't, I, like in John Wick, I connect to him, connect with him over the dog and like, I guess like her partner or her love interest died at the beginning of the movie. I don't know because they never tell me. And then I'm supposed to connect with her that way. And then we got this tropey list and I'm just – then we got these interrogation scenes that slow down the movie. I was just thoroughly bored when there was not I, – I would watch just like the action sequences of this movie in clips and be fine and watch nothing else. Because nothing else you. did anything else for me. I'm glad you liked it. And you're not the only one. I mean, this this did quite well as far – it's certified fresh, and a lot of people enjoyed this movie. It just wasn't the movie for me. So I got you. And I will say that I think McAvoy's performance was probably the one I liked least in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did not care for his character he had a he had a couple interesting scenes like with it with things he would do with his cast. Yeah. But aside from that, he, I think he was the most bland. I want hey, I, I'll get I'll, I'll say this. I do want to see a sequel though. Uh I know that the graphic novel had a prequel graphic novel. Mm. So I don't know if they're ever going to go to that well or not. Well, I I but, I, I, I would like to see a sequel because I think it ended on a great ending. I, I thought that the ending was fantastic. Oh, without a doubt. I, <clears throat> I personally did not see that ending coming, and it, it worked really well for me, and I would love to see a sequel as well. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the ending the ending was fantastic. Uh, I, I really tried to get into this movie, man. Like there were parts at the beginning where I'm like, all right, here we go. Here we go. Atomic blonded up. And then all of a sudden we're back in the interrogation room and I'm just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, it can be a bit jarring going from one almost one extreme to the other. Yeah, I love the look of it, though, man. If you don't if you turn off the sound, I mean, it's gorgeous. Uh, the neon, the setting. I, I love the scene of her in the uh, in the uh, bathtub, in the ice, you know, just like. You see all the cuts and bruises, and she's trying to like you know, uh, she's all of her cuts are inflamed, and she's just trying to reduce the swelling from all these scrapes and cuts and punches and kicks, and she just looks like a badass, like she's a legit badass. I mean, and they don't play it for like you know, like uh, as like as like something sexual. It's not like something like oh my god, all right, let me pause this frame and beat off. No, it's, it's, she looks badass. She looks like a badass woman who fucking just needs to, uh, you know, recoup and heal up, you know, ice herself down. It, you know, like you can see Daniel Craig doing this in a Bond film, like totally, you know? Oh, and, for sure. I know personally, uh, I think, cause I think there were like two or three times it, it showed her getting into that ice tub. Yeah. And that was like the most uncomfortable thing for me because it just, I mean, that looked like it was actually a tub full of ice water yeah, and that, yeah. you know, the actress was just freezing while she was in there. Yeah. And yeah. then uh, I know my, I saw it with one of my good friends and during some of those fight scenes, she had to look away because it was just so brutal. I, I I really wanted to connect with the character more, Harmon. That's that's my problem with this movie is I really could not connect with the with the main character. Um, the. I'm more excited for this ballerina adaptation now, this John Wick extended universe movie, 
because, you know, at least her family was killed by assassins and she's got a reason for revenge. I, I didn't get this. It was like, okay, she wants the list. She, you know, like, yeah, at the end I get it. But like throughout the entire movie, I'm like, why do I care? Right. Why do I care? Like this guy died at the beginning is, was that her boyfriend? Was that her old partner? Like, why do I care about this fucking list? I don't give a shit. And, you know, I don't know, but I'm glad you liked it. I hope we do get a sequel. I hope it makes a lot of money. Um, David Letch is a, still a fantastic director. I'm not worried about uh, him being the uh, director for Deadpool 2 at all. These are two completely different movies. This guy is no stranger to stunts and choreography. He was a stunt choreographer before being a director, so... I still think he's going to be able to fucking kill it when it comes to Deadpool. So I'm not worried at all. Without a doubt. Yeah. So, uh, Harmon, anything else you wanted to finish on with Atomic Atomic Blonde? (laughs) Uh, I did want to say again that uh, the actress who played the mummy in the the newest reboot, her name's Sophia Boutella. Ah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Man, I absolutely loved her in this movie. She played kind of that that younger spy who this was – I think they said it was like this is her first mission. And I mean the the way her character arc kind of plays out, it um it definitely added. I think that was one of the the better side stories within this movie. Yeah, and there's a scene with her and McAvoy that was like wow, that 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 was a cool scene. Like for sure. Yeah, you're kind of on the edge of like if I would have connected more with some of these characters, maybe I would have been more on the edge of my seat, but right. <laughs> it was still, she, she, she played it really well. And she was the best part of the mummy, to be quite honest with you. She, she really was a scary looking mummy. She played that part really well. It was everything else that was awful in that film, you know? So, See, so she shined really good in that movie. And I, I think she shined equally as well on this one. Yeah. 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 She was, she was, she was, uh, she was good. She was good. Um, yeah, Jake. Let's move on into uh, do you, Harmon. Do did you have any solo good pop bad pop shit? Uh, I've got one thing to mention. All right. Uh, it's a anime series that is on Netflix now, and it's called Little Witch Academia. Uh, a couple years ago, there was a short movie uh, with the same title, and it did well enough that they actually adapted it into a thirteen episode series. Uh, which came out, I believe, in June and then uh, was translated into English and is on our Netflix now. Uh, I I give this a, a, a super high Tupperware. It's very upbeat and fun, and it's it's kind of got elements of the never-ending story with a little bit of Harry Potter, and it's just a super fun, upbeat watch. Uh, it's a great palate cleanser if you've been watching something that's you know, a, a bit more of a drama or something that's a, a bit more intense. This is the perfect palate cleanser. So after I walked out of Atomic Blonde, like totally heartbroken and disappointed, I should have watched Little Witch Academia. Yes, and you would have been inspired and you would have been like, man, this character, Akko, I want to see her, you know, fulfill her dream and become this awesome witch. What is it with, uh, what is it with, uh, guys named Jake and animes that have academia in the title? Yeah. <laughs> It's a thing. It's a thing. It's a thing. Last week, Jake, Jake was, uh, Jake was going on and on about, uh, My Hero Academia. And now, what if they came out with an anime called Academia Academia? Would you guys blow your loads? I would totally watch that. An academia within an academia? Are you talking about Academia Inception? Inception? (laughs) Oh my god. 
Yeah. I, was, I thought you'd like learn how to like <laughs> start an academia. Uh, what? Like academia class. Yeah. Yeah. Is yeah. That, okay. Your, your I mean, idea it's, sounds it's a, more fun. It's a solid concept. I uh, I definitely green light it if it was me. No, actually, both of the shows that you guys pitched, like, uh, to me, uh, this, uh, my, what is it, uh, Little Witch Academia, these both sound like, like a lot of fun. Um, how, how long, how long of a, uh, commitment do I have with this Little Witch Academia? Is it one of these animes like One Piece that's been going on for 50 fucking years? Oh, oh no, thankfully. Uh, there's one 13 episode season out right now. Episodes are half an hour long. There's also two short movies that came out, I think, in 2013 and 2015. And those movies are kind of standalone. Uh Um, They are what the series are based on, almost like a proof of concept. Are they on Netflix as well? Uh, They both were a couple months ago. I'm not sure if they're still on there or not. Okay. But you probably shouldn't watch those if you're going to watch the series, right? Uh, I don't think it's made that much of a difference. The, the, I only saw the first of the standalone movies, and it's I mean it's the same characters and it's the same animation style, uh, but the story itself isn't exactly the same. So it's not like it's going to spoil the actual series. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. I'll, you know what? It sounds like something I need to check out. I actually I want to check out Jake's too. Um, I want to check. I want to. Give both of those like at least three episodes and see if I like them and if I want to go forward with them. Um, yeah, I'm going to check out that which one too. Yeah, yeah. There was a, a really great episode where there's like a famous author coming into town and like the the three main characters. One of them's obsessed with this author, so they go to see it, and then it turns out that one of their instructors, who's this like little old lady, was cosplaying, meeting all the other fans of the books. So there's some good humor in there. Awesome. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, I need to check that out. Um, Jake, did you have any solo uh, good pop, bad pop stuff that you want to talk about before we jump into the Dark Tower? No, I'm ready to, I'm ready to jump into Dark Tower. All right, let's tower it up. Uh, yeah. The tower. Can we take a real quick break? Yeah, let's take a quick break. We'll be Yeah, we'll be right back to talk about uh, the Dark Tower. back you know uh yeah we're gonna jump into the dark tower here but uh dark tower. First, dark tower first jake uh you know uh, earlier Harmon and i we talked about atomic blonde i uh tossed it uh Harmon tupperware it um what what like wh- where's your interest level in this film now just curious like after or atomic blonde yeah um i, I kind of want to see it solely based off of i want to see how the deadpool 2 director directs action scenes gotcha but I'm well, kind I mean, of not – I'm just going in knowing that it's probably going to be the kind of movie with lots of tropes where I never feel any danger for the main character. You can watch John Wick number one 
and uh, and two, I believe. I think he did both of them. Oh, darr. yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen those movies too. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so yeah. Actually, now that I've now that you've reminded me of that, I, I probably will never watch this movie. What you didn't? You love John Wick. <laughs> Well, no, I did, but I don't. The only reason I was going to watch Atomic Blonde was for just to see action sequences. Ah, and if it's, I saw John Wick. I love it. I don't need to see. Yeah, I know this guy's going to be fine on Deadpool too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not worried about Deadpool too. Absolutely not worried. Uh, burp, yeah, burp, burp, it's burp. not the same screenwriter as yeah. Atomic Blonde. So. Right. right, right. I think it's worth seeing. Maybe uh, catching it at like a matinee or if they. If they have it at like a second run theater where the tickets are cheaper, I think it'd be worth seeing it then for sure. Yeah, I like the awkwardness of um, that it's Harmon's movie of the year, and you tore it to pieces. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how much of that is like shiny new toy for me because it cause Power Rangers did come out this year as well. Yeah, yeah, it's so I think, I, we'll I, see. I, I, Hey, Har- I think you woke Harmon. He he now already realizes it's not movie of the year. <laughs> Harmon, have you seen Baby Driver? No, not yet. Oh, oh Harmon, 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 gotta go see it, man. In order for you to, uh, oh man, yeah, I, I guarantee you. I think you. Baby Driver is the most Jacob Harmon movie I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not set in the '80s, but it is. I I, I think the movie's yeah. made for you, man. Yeah, I know I, I've had so many people tell me that it tell me the same thing, like it was made for me. So I need to go see it this next weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, uh, we're gonna jump into the Dark Tower, Jake. I'm gonna let you take over. You're taking the wheel, Captain. All right, I will take the Dark Tower wheel. Um, yeah, here we go. The wheel turns. Um, I, this is something that I've wanted since fifth grade when I first read this first book. It's um, my favorite Stephen King series. <laughs> I think it is my favorite book series of all time. So this is a crazy thing for me. And um, just to get right into it, the movie's The Dark Tower. It's rated PG-13. It runs at 95 minutes. Um, quick plot synopsis. The last gunslinger, Roland Deschain, has been locked in, a, in an eternal battle with Walter O'Dim, also known as the Man in Black, determined to prevent him from toppling the Dark Tower, which holds the universe together. With the fate of the worlds at stake, good and evil will collide in the ultimate battle as only Roland can defend the tower from the man in black. So are we got a real simple plot going here for this 95 minute movie. Uh, this movie stars Idris Elba as Roland Deschain, Matthew McConaughey as the man in black, um, Tom Taylor as Jake Chambers. And that's, those are the three principal characters. You got Jackie Earl in there too as, Earl yeah. Haley is yeah, Sayer. You got Jackie Earl Haley. Yeah, Rorschach is that one dude. Yeah, it's that one dude, basically. <laughs> so other than that, that's it. Um, oh shit. Now I gotta rate this movie. Nah, hold um, on, hold on. Can we talk about uh can we talk about you got the director? Oh the director, director, my apologies. Uh Nicolaj Arcel. Um he's not really famous for anything. He did the foreign dragon tattoo movie, I believe. Yeah. Is his claim to fame? Um, and then it was written by a, a big old bunch of people. Uh, Kiba Gold, Goldsman. Uh, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jeff you, Pinkner, uh, Anders Thomas Jensen, yeah. uh, Nikolaj himself had his pin on this thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And then Brian's making groaning noises at Akiva. Um, a I, lot of people 
know a lot of his crappier works. He wrote the two Joel Schumacher Batman movies, uh, yeah. Batman and Robin and Batman Forever, I believe. Insurgent. Uh, had Insurgent. Insurgent. Uh, a few of the Transformers movies also, uh, I believe. Transformers The Last Night. Uh, he, uh, he did... Uh, oh, man, what else did he do? I'm just bringing it up right now. Here yeah. we go. Uh, I know he's done... He's like He's done some good I things. Just, even a broken clock is right twice a day. He you did know, Cinderella kind of Man. He did uh, A Beautiful Mind. Um, it, he did Fringe. I, he, I love yeah. Fringe. It's one of my favorite shows. Yeah, I know. A lot of people love that show. He did uh, he Lost in Space. He wrote that, the 1998 movie. I saw that in theaters. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty terrible. That was a bad example. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, what, else? Uh, what else did he do? He did, eh, he did the... Angels and demons and the Da Vinci Code and stuff like that. I, I, I knowing, can't. Knowing, ugh, I, knowing this guy was doing this movie, I, I got to tell you, like this, the pre-production of this movie was just like crushing my fucking soul. So it was it was hard to go into this. Like I was, I guess, like as low expectations as possible, and yeah. maybe that's a good thing going into this movie. At least for me, it was. So, so. go ahead and rate it, man. I'm, I'm gonna low taste this stupid thing. Um, I realize that it's that it's a toss it for just so many reasons. Like I think I could do a four hour podcast on why I should have tossed this thing instead of low tasted it. But honestly, like the brief fleeting moments of seeing Roland and Jake like cinematically was a, was enough for me. Like this is a fucking terrible movie, but I thought Idris was fantastic as Roland. And I mean, the screenplay is total fucking garbage and everything is so convoluted and changed, but Idris somehow like was able to shine in this mess. And he, he was great. And I thought Matthew McConaughey was kind of crappy and he kind of made one of my favorite villains of all time, kind of shitty. We'll get into that past the rating. Uh, I, and I thought Jake was really good too. Jake is like one of my top three favorite Stephen King characters of all time. And the only reason I'm low tasting this instead of tossing it is just like some of the few scenes with Jake and Roland together, like even surrounded by all the bull crap still did kind of give me goosebumps seeing like this realized at least in that manner. You know, I don't know. I feel like if I watch this movie a few more times, it may just piss me off more and I'll revert to a toss it. But for now, I was just happy enough seeing Jake and Roland have at least maybe three minutes of good screen time in this in this movie i'm curious what you thought about it low taste it <clears throat> yeah uh i had zero expectations going into this movie because i haven't read the books um and uh uh it's uh it's a i don't know it's a fun stupid forgettable movie um it i i agree with you that idris elba was fantastic as the gunslinger Absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. And, uh, I just wish, and, I, and maybe it, it, it wouldn't be true to the, to the books, but I, I, I just wish that this was a gunslinger movie. I thought the kid was awful. Um, actually, that would be a hundred percent true to the books. So, um, wow. that was, that was one of the many annoying things that somehow Jake became the main character. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the biggest problem with this movie that I had was that we're following this young boy. I, I could care less about this young boy. I could care less about the problems that he's got going on at home with his shitty stepdad. Um, and I, the mother was okay. 
but that that's what took me out of this movie was was the fact that I this boy I'm following this young boy. That's one of the reasons I hate the Phantom Menace is because we're following like this fucking ten year old kid around, and it's I, 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 it just didn't work for me. And what else did I not like? Nothing's really explained. Like I no, I don't know. I don't know. Like why? I they they explain it. They tell oh, we got to protect the Dark Tower so it doesn't so if it doesn't fall and then they can't take over Earth, but. It's like, okay, why is Idris Elba fighting to protect the tower? Why? Um, what, what? What's this man in black? What is his intentions later? Like, what? What does he plan on doing? Um, why does? Why are these creatures attacking them on Midworld for one scene, <laughs> and then we never see that creature again? It, yeah, there were so many inconsistencies. It was. It was insane. It really hurt my brain. I didn't like how Roland knew that it was called Earth Prime. Like, he knew that. Right. But, like, and then, like, a, a scene later, he doesn't know if they have guns and bullets and fucking Earth Prime that he can name. Yeah. And I didn't... That's, we're first yeah. introduced to... What's his name from the Allstate commercials or State Farm commercials? Oh, yeah. Dennis Haysbert. Dennis Haysbert. And we're introduced to him and like... I didn't know that he was supposed to be playing Idris Elba's <laughs> father until like later on when they finally told me. Like I'm watching the scene play out and I'm just like, oh, okay, I'm just watching this other guy. Um, what's the emotional connection here? Like, and then they finally tell you. I don't know. This, this movie's, I, uh, the rumor, the, the rumors of there being a three hour cut and then like I'm hearing people saying, man, I'd love to see that three hour cut. It's like, Oh, I, I don't need an additional ninety minutes of this convoluted bullshit. Like, I, I guess it's good that they trimmed it down, but it's if I, if I haven't rated it, it's a low taste it for me. Like, yeah, there you um, go, there you go. It's a low taste it because it's it didn't anger me, but it didn't like, and I wasn't like bored throughout the movie. But on the flip side, like I wasn't like I didn't leave the theater like thinking about this movie like wow, oh my god, like from. Talking to you, Jake, and talking to other people that do love this series, it's such an expansive, world-building, character-driven story. I was – this should be like Lord of the Rings type movie. Yeah, they really they really fucked this up though and dropped the ball as far as that's concerned because honestly, the first two books of this series are so self-contained kind of and it's before it just kind of really blows up. And it's, it's all about Idris, it's all the, you know, Roland's character, it's all the backstory about him and who he is, and uh, it just would have been so good, and it, it's so frustrating to see how good he was in that role. Yeah, he was. And know, and know that, like, they had, like, uh, you can just basically adapt the first two books into one movie and do it practically verbatim. And it would just be such an amazing thing to behold. I know. I, and I don't know how old he's supposed to be in the book. But the man in black, Matthew McConaughey, was absolutely horrible. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> he was silly. And I'm thinking to myself, my... I'm thinking to myself, yeah, you know what? You know, uh, we've seen the prophecy. Um, who? Oh, God, what's his name? I can't think of his name right now. Uh, in the movie in Dark Tower? No, Prophecy. Uh, the actor, um, Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken. I was thinking, like, I don't care if he already played Satan in fucking Prophecy. I, I, he was. He, I think he'd be great in this role. Like, 
he he would sell me in this role, and Matthew McConaughey did not. So no, it was not cool. I I hated the adaptation of this character almost more than anything. Um, they make him into almost like a supervillain in a superhero comic book movie. I didn't understand his of the powers. Character he's I, supposed to be. Yeah, you don't understand it. He's got these weird telepathic powers. He's kidnapping children that have strong psychic ability to strap mm-hmm. to a machine to send beams of light that are trying to knock down the dark tower. Right. Um, that is a hundred percent movie bullcrap. There's like not even point five percent of adaptation there. <laughs> oh, I want I want to spoil this movie. I'm not going to though. I'm not going to. I'm going to let people watch it. The, the ending. Like- the ending is so stupid. Oh my god, it's so fucking stupid. It is really stupid. And it's really frustrating. I mean, this is what's crazy is they took all seven books. I think it's 8,000 pages when mm-hmm. you put them all together and uh, tried to combine all 8,000 pages into one 95 minute movie oh my god. and made up <laughs> half of it. Uh, it's yeah. That just sounds like fucking insanity. Like. There, yeah, I, I mean, there's there's some good stuff in here though, Harmon. Like I, Idris Elba is really really good. I, Jake, I didn't like his scenes with the little boy. Um, I mean, oh, I did. One, I had a lot of fun with that stuff. One minute he's like, "No, you're not coming with me." No, and then the kid says like one thing, and he's like, "We're best friends now. Come on." And then like later on, like, "Hey, um." I know you're all fucked up and you've got like this black shit all over you. Here's some fucking vitamins and some Coca-Cola. Oh, I'm good to go. And it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, that, that stuff made me laugh. I thought that was actually some pretty good comic relief. And I, I did say I only liked about three minutes of the interaction between the two. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I thought the, when they revealed all the different diseases he had, what did he have? Like hepatitis A, B, yeah, like D, yeah, yeah, yeah. E, and one that had never existed. Yeah. yeah. That, that, I laughed pretty hard at that line. Oh, man. I don't know. Yeah, this movie was ridiculous. It was crazy. But there is good stuff here. You're right. Idris yeah. is good. Yeah. There, if, you're a, if you're a huge King fan, there are lots of nods. Um, some of those nods only service to make me more upset, though. Because it's like they make nods to – like if you're a huge Dark Tower fan, they make nods to all your favorite things. But they make these like sly nods that only fans will know that really only service as a reminder – of more shit they fucked up. What's the 19 thing? Uh, the 19 is, it's it's kind of a heavy number in a lot of the different universes. Uh, they use it as like a term, basically. Um, if, some, if everything goes all 19, everything's going really bad. Like, well, basically, you're failing all luck rolls. Yeah. Everything is getting really shitty really quick. Well, I noticed in one of the portals that they went through, the code was 1919. Yeah, 1919. And actually, yeah. one thing that I find hilarious is uh, Dark Tower made $19 million this weekend. Oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, that, that, is a, like, that number does hold a lot of power in that series. Yeah. So it, it actually is kind of a really wonky thing that that happened. It's well, almost like a, that you fucked this up so much, so we're not going to let you make more than $19 million. You did know that um, – when it premiered on Thursday night at most of the theaters, it premiered at seven nineteen. Yeah, I did know that. I, yeah. did. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Um, if this movie actually was made by someone that gave a shit about the source material, I would have been there at seven nineteen. Yeah, I, I couldn't have avoided it. Yeah, this was. Uh, I mean, they started off with a really low budget, and you could tell. I mean, it was around sixty sixty five million. 
really low budget for something that should be kind of like Lord of the Rings level. Um, I never really understood like the Dark Tower itself. They keep showing the no. guy. They show the damn thing like so many times. And I, I still kind of like never understood exactly what it was. Um, and then uh, uh, they pissed me off by not showing the rose that protects the tower. But then they did one of those things like I was talking about where at the end of the movie, they show some rose graffiti on the wall. Like yet again, reminding me of something cool that they just yada yada and didn't give a fuck about. And uh, so were they leading towards a sequel with like the graffiti on the wall of the is it the Crimson King? Yeah, the Crimson King is another term for uh, the man in black, Walter O'Dim. Uh, another factoid is that character is also Randall Flagg, who is the uh, main antagonist in The Stand. Oh, wow. Huh. They're actually one and the same person. Yeah. Um, I think this, So that's I, really fascinating. This, this series is so much fun. If you're a diehard Stephen King fan, this is kind of like the gold at the end of the rainbow because it really does – tie into so many of his famous stories like it's it's insane it ties into it it ties it ties into needful things it ties into salem's lot uh the stand the shining so it's it's a really neat thing and it does it in a way where you can read all seven books and not have read any of that other stuff it's just kind of like if you're in the know it's really neat to see the continuation of some of these ideas and characters yeah I think it's going to kill the TV series, man. I do. Yeah. The TV series, um, I think it's going to kill the TV series too. But hypothetically, if it doesn't kill the TV series, it has a good thing going for it in that the plan is that they want to adapt book four into the TV series. That's true. Yeah, I've heard that. Which, which is um, the, the book that got the least amount of attention in this movie, uh, pretty much none. And it's all a flashback tale about how Roland became a gunslinger and what happened to all the other gunslingers. Yeah, yeah. And it's book four is probably my favorite book. There was a seven-year gap between book three and four, six or seven years. And book three ends with, like, this crazy-ass fucking cliffhanger where you're like, oh, where's the next book? Where's the next book? And it's like, oh, it's not out yet, but King's going to write six more books until he puts it out. And, you know, those were seven really big years of my life. I think I finished book three still in grade school, and by the time book four comes out i'm graduated high school and an adult so it was a really it's one of the reasons i have so much love for the series is it kind of spanned a lot of my life reading this whole thing and just the anticipation for it and i know a lot of people differ on the last three books of this series but i actually think that book six is pretty shitty but book seven is amazing and sticks the landing so if you're inspired by this crap movie to actually give a shit about these books, um, I think it's worth it still. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, you know, I know a lot of people have love for the books. I, I left this movie not, I don't know, just not dazzled, just not like, wow. Um, but I, I, it wouldn't prevent me from jumping into that world and like reading those books by any means. So yeah, you know, you've seen enough, you've read enough Stephen King yourself and seen what movies can do to absolutely know. I, one thing I didn't mention either is I, the CG in this movie was, Oh, it was, it was so bad. I I think we got to point that out. Like there's the glass. uh, The action sequence. There's like the one action sequence when they're fighting the Tahine, 
And like when they show Roland, it's really cool. Like yeah. seeing him, you know, reload his gun and yeah. shoot his gun. And that's always lit really well. But anytime you see what he's shooting at or anything else besides Roland, it is dark and muddy and you can't tell what you're looking at. And it was some of the worst action directing. There's I've no ever seen. explanation about like his powers, how he, he heals real fast. So now he's like Logan. And then like, there's no explanation as to like, how he can like load his guns that fast. There's no explanation as far as like the man in black, like what's his actual power? We know he's a sorcerer. Like, does he have the power of influence over people? Like what, like what exactly are, and like all, the only reason I know that his powers don't affect Roland is because he tells me like 17 times. So yes, there's really nothing like for, I don't know. Like, if this movie really was at three hours at one time, did they spend a lot of time on those things, explaining those things? Like, I, I don't know. It's just it, this movie's just all over the place. It's convoluted. Um, the story is simple to to follow as long as you don't start asking yourself questions while you're watching it. I mean, you can. Oh yeah, you can still follow you're, you're it. Yeah, you're on the pulse of this. They they drop so many cool concepts and ideas, but they just like drop them yeah. and kind of just throw them over their shoulder. Yeah. Like I thought that when Roland mentioned his guns, you know, being known as Excalibur. Yes. I was like, oh Rise, wow. It's like, oh, that's that's a neat little factoid that we're just gonna just throw over our shoulder and then yeah. move on real quick from. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I thought that was like, oh wow, cool. We're, we're, I'm I'm starting to figure out some lore and stuff like that, but they never follow up with it again. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I and to close out our fucking. I mean, we could talk about this forever, but yeah. I I got to touch on this one thing that really drove me nuts. Like, I think the opening line of the first Dark Tower book, the Gunslinger, is one of the most iconic opening lines of any book. I honestly, I think if you Google like the ten best opening lines of novels, you're, you're going to find this on a bunch of those lists. And the movie mangled this. It drove me fucking crazy. The line is, the man in black fled across the desert and the gunslinger followed, okay? Now, to give you some context, that's right after the man in black kills Roland's father, okay? Mm-hmm. And so, in the movie, they're clearly in the woods when his father dies. Yeah. And it's like, what the fuck? You can't even, you can't even get the one part right, you know? This should have never been adapted to a movie, and they should have never had Akiva Goldsman on the screenplay. Um, if they did do a movie, I mean, you've got to you, – oh, my gosh. You know, you've got to have somebody in there like like Spielberg that can do that can do a big story. Like, you know, like uh, – it, it, it was attached to J.J. Yeah, J.J., uh, even Peter Jackson. I mean, those guys can tell a very expansive story and do it in two and a half hours. And Dude, I had the I had the biggest fucking boner for the two and a half years that JJ was saying he was writing yeah. the Dark Tower scripts. Yeah, yeah, <sighs> yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> they just missed the tone of this thing too. Like, really bad missed the tone. Like, that's one of the cool things about it is it really does feel like a classic spaghetti western, and then just more and more and more intensely transcends from being a spaghetti western to you know high fantasy and that's kind of one of the appeal of that's a lot of the appeal of the whole thing and they just completely missed that like never for a moment did this feel like it was like a cinematic western yeah oh jake jake you've got the shine 
You've got the shine. What the fuck? Yeah, that's ridiculous too. Jake doesn't have the shine in the book too. That's another. Uh, that's another zero percent. Well, that's back. another thing that I didn't understand. Like this kid is that powerful with the shine and stuff like that. And like, why do you need? Why do you need a gunslinger to defeat the man in black? Can't. You know, can't this kid put a shine on or whatever? Like, nothing was explained, like, what this kid's shine actually did. It destroyed a house demon, apparently, but, you know. I, they just ruined it. Like, Roland is defined by his life goal, and his life goal is to kill the man in the black yeah. and reach the Dark Tower. And never once does the movie really, like... Mm, I'm not pick. I would never pick apart yeah. your book because I've never read it. But I'm picking apart this film, Jake. It's just, oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll pick it apart all day long. It's yeah. ridiculous. I know. It's like you want to kind of like point out to like what the book got right and what the movie got wrong. But on the flip side, it's like, I, trust me, I, I believe that the book. I know Stephen King can tell a fucking story. So I, I know that those books are are fleshed out and everything's you know uh every every everything has a purpose and it all everything comes into play when it needs to come into play and it's structured well this movie is not structured well um you can tell that there's a bunch of different writers on it and low budget didn't help the special effects weren't good i mean it was just a, a train wreck of a fucking film so yeah oh man another thing that drove me crazy is one of my favorite characters in the series is a uh talking animal Named Oi from Midworld. Mm -hmm. uh, he's a Billy Bumbler. Is the they mentioned yeah, talking animal. animals. Yeah, it, it's another one of those moments. Yeah, where they, like they like just remind you of like one of the coolest things from the series. Harmon, they're just gonna check this out. So they're at the they're at a they're in a hospital and there's a commercial playing of like two raccoons talking to each other. Okay, and then Idris Elba says, "Oh, so animals talk on your world too," and this is what Jake's talking about. Like that's. That's a fucking throwaway Easter egg. <laughs> that scene. That's how bad this movie is at adapting a great story. Unreal. It's yeah, this definitely sounds like oh. something I'll – yeah, I'll, I'll think I'll see this when it's out on like Redbox or something. But I don't plan on uh, wasting my time seeing it in the theater. Uh, you're not wasting a lot. It's 95 minutes. I mean – That's you know. the other thing. Like yeah. when you hear The Dark Tower, I imagine like a, a much longer movie. Yeah. And – 95 minutes that's i mean they're you know kids movies that are way longer than that yeah it's king's like lord of the rings you know it's it's his biggest work and, it, and here we go here's the movie oh, i can't believe God. he's not more protective of this you're he's, a bastard uh, stephen king well, you're a fucking bastard yeah and he's he's talking he's talking about a sequel like oh i want the sequel to be rated r because that's where it would go and like wishful thinking stephen yeah you done fucked up <laughs> you are getting your sequel buddy <laughs> You let your baby just fucking die. Yeah, I mean, he should have taken more control of this. He should have been like uh, J.K. Rowling and said, no, I'm going to be here every every fucking step of the way. You know what? I don't – it's not – I'm crossing my fingers that it's not impossible that someone else doesn't get to take a shot at this. Not, I don't think it's completely out of the realm yeah, of possibilities. You're looking at 20, 30 years down the road, man. Yeah, I don't – I don't – I think it's – if luck is in my favor, I think it could happen. A stranger things have happened. I mean, we're looking at a feasible Watchmen HBO series coming out, you know, and it's kind of the same thing there. Um, I think this is going to scare people off for a while, man. I really do. I, I think that uh, everybody's kind of scrambling right now to get their big, you know, trilogy or their big expanded universe, their, their next, you know, comic book superhero, like, 
I think people are, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to revisit this one anytime soon. I hope I'm wrong. I, I would yeah, love to I, see. I do too. I hope if they do, yeah. they just all, they do all TV series, honestly. I think that this is way more suited for that. Yeah. Um, you know, give it to somebody like HBO. Um, you know, one of these big, uh, or even stars. I've been really impressed with, with, with what stars has been doing lately, especially with American Gods and like the casting that they did on that show and like, you know, yeah, uh, those, they put money into their stuff. They, yeah, you can they tell. Yeah. Brian Fuller and Michael Green, those guys, those showrunners on American Gods, just fucking killed it. You get some, you get some guys like that behind a property like this, you're gonna get something great. That's the problem here. You get, you get guys like you know Seth Graham Smith and Akiva Goldsman and Avi Arad to fuck up your movies, and and this is what you get. You get shitty Spider-Man films. You get fucking Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, and you get a sh- shitty Dark Tower movie. Yeah, at least we've got it around the corner. Hopefully, that brings some Stephen King theatrical redemption to it, us. It looks fantastic, Hopefully. man. And watching that trailer again before the Dark Tower on the big screen again just kind of like blew me away again. It looks so good. It really does. <laughs> There's a large section of people that have been complaining about the uh, lime green Legos that are seen in that trailer because uh, those didn't exist until 2010. <laughs> so people are people are already upset. At oh the end wow! Movie for oh, the most gosh. like banal reasons. Grow a dick, Jesus! Yeah, these people pissing and moaning about stupid shit. Ah, fucking what? What, what do they call Lego? That Lego fans, Lego maniacs, or something? What do they call them? Uh, brickheads? Brickheads. Is that what they call them? Brickheads. Yeah, they're dickheads. I think that is correct. <laughs> All right. Anyway, I saw what you did there. <laughs> what, what, what do they call you? What do they call Funko Pop fanatics? What the fuck are you guys called? I don't know. Creeps? I mean, uh, suckers is what I call you. <laughs> uh, let's see here. You guys, you guys ready, ready to move on into, in the news? Yeah, let's do it. Right. Sure. Yeah, news it up. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a lift of a news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangsta as fuck, yo. It's gangsta as fuck, yo. Alright, THR, they ran a, they ran an article about Rotten Tomatoes. I wanna start the, I want, yeah, I wanna start off news with talking about Rotten Tomatoes. And there's a, there's a quote that I wanted to talk about. It's, it's, it's how Rotten Tomatoes is affecting moviegoers and the overall box office. Um, you can, I don't know. You can say to yourselves, like, uh, it doesn't affect me. You know, I, I, I can see the Rotten Tomato, tomato meter, and fuck the critics, and, uh, fuck all that shit. It's fine. I, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking, I'm just talking about, I'm just talking, I just want to read this quote, and what they said, and then, then we'll discuss it. Cause I, I know there's tons of people out there. Ah, fuck, fuck what Rotten Tomato says. I don't give a shit. Anyway, uh, this is what the TH article said. Um, Hollywood studios have commissioned a number of studies on the subject in recent months. National Research Group found that seven out of ten people said they would be less interested in seeing a movie if the Rotten Tomato score was zero to 25. And social media research firm Physiology, which tracks every major Hollywood release, discovered that a Rotten Tomato score has the most influence on moviegoers 25 and younger. Um, yeah, but that's not shocking data, but it's really fascinating. Yeah, yeah. So what is it? Why are so many like young moviegoers seeing these scores being affected by it? Is it because that they use an, they use an app 
to check the movie times, right? They're, 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 they're checking Fandango. And yeah. what happened? Fandango used to use Metacritic. They don't use Metacritic anymore. They use – Fandango bought Rotten Tomatoes. So yeah. after buying uh, Rotten Tomatoes, Fandango has been featuring the tomato meter on, on the ticketing site. So when you go to Fandango, you can see that tomato meter score right there. When you're looking at your movie Showtimes, is this is is the is Rotten Tomatoes the decline of like people just going to the movie theater and just watching something just for the hell of it? You know, I don't know. I like to put a positive spin on it. Honestly, like I I, I think it holds the filmmakers up to a little bit of a higher standard. Like if if it really starts working, I mean, like the data you have has it to the 25 year olds. But, you know, if it really starts working, like once we get 20 years removed, that these movies that are complete pieces of garbage that people are not actually buying tickets for now mm-hmm. because they actually, you know, trust the large majority of critics, I guess, then yeah, there's, it, it's, a, it's a fine line, though. I guess you're right, though, because there, there's still going to be those diamonds in the rough that are like, who gives a crap that they're at 15% on Rotten Tomatoes? That's one of my favorite movies ever. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's Harmon. What are your thoughts on on all of this? Yeah, it's definitely a uh, an interesting situation because I I know I personally I'm just outside of that age group, but I know a lot of my friends they rely heavily on online ratings for all sorts of things, whether it's what movie to go see or what restaurant to go to. That's part of our society now. Yeah, Yelp. And I mean, people are going exactly. to Yelp. Yeah, uh, people are reading the Amazon reviews for products. So, And it's crazy to think that that review on the, or the, the, rotting, the Rotten Tomatoes rating could have such an effect on such a large group of people versus what it used to be where you just saw a trailer and word of mouth whether it was good or not that right. was your decision making or yeah your local now there's so much more information available yeah. like jake was saying filmmakers are going to have to kind of go to a higher standard yeah like yeah. it used to be you just go to like your local newspaper and read like what the local critic said about it or you'd wait till the weekend and like watch siskel and ebert like you know did they give it two thumbs up? You know, that's what it used yeah. to be back in the day. And now movies used to have a week like that pure week where they could make some money before the whole world deemed it crap. Right now. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, the, uh, the emoji movie, like had the emoji movie gotten uh, fresh scores from critics. Could that movie have made a lot more money? I mean, it was it was sitting at like a last time I checked, it was sitting at like a six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Now, it may have gone up. You know, maybe to like 12, 13% or whatever, but like people were trashing that movie. And Jake, I know you think it had a great concept, you know, from the, from the get go and it could have been a great movie. I, I think it was a gimmick and I, I think they, Oh, I don't disagree with that, but I still think even as a gimmick, they could have still poured some heart into it yeah, and I, made a good. I'm going to make a movie called syllables. Okay. It's going to be about like all the, there's all these words. But all of a sudden, like, this event happened, like in The Leftovers, the HBO show, where all of them were broken up. And now they're syllables. And so, like, now they got to find their corresponding, you know, other syllables to make the words again, you know. And th- I, that's my movie, Jake. It's called Syllables. It's about syllables. I, yeah, let, that has no heart, though, let's, either. Let's Exactly. I mean, it's just I, 
I think it goes back to what you guys were saying is just like have a good idea and make a great movie. You know, like if you're if you've got a gimmick and you're going to make a movie based on a gimmick, don't just don't make it because you're going to get the movie's going to get shit canned. And yeah, it is possible. You know, you can you can do both. You can really show the shit out of something and still have a movie with a lot of heart. And that's a good movie at the foundation of it, you know? Yeah, well, don't don't promote it as something that it's not. You know, like, the Emoji movie's not going to be, like, the next Shrek. It's not going to be the next Pixar movie. I mean, don't... That's the thing. It's like, same... Sharknado knows what it is. I mean, we're getting Sharknado 5 tonight. Sharknado knows what it is. And people that love that fucking... Those movies know what it is. Like, don't fucking show me, like, the Dark Tower movie... And, you know, based on Stephen King's novels and Idris Elba, Matthew McConaughey, all these great actors. And show me this awesome trailer where they show you one of the coolest scenes in the movie where he shoots a guy using just his, like, heart, his mind. And and then waste the entire movie from there on out. I mean, these – they got to be held to a higher standard. Higher standard. Like, part of me thinks, like, you know, is this is this counter – like some people are going to think this is counterproductive. Like, oh fuck the critics! I don't want to know what they think. But if it, but if it forces Hollywood to make better fucking movies, but sometimes it doesn't always work. I mean, we're getting Transformers movies before this last one that were making tons of bank. Even yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. Is once once we start to age up a little bit, we're we're going to start to see these numbers get affected. Yeah, especially with these with these movies aimed at the younger audience, because you you add another ten years to now, and then it's the same people that rely on Rotten Tomatoes that now have you know eight year olds. Yeah, yeah. that are going to say fuck this eighteen percent emoji movie part six. Right. I, I'm not taking my kid to see it. It looks like garbage. And Rotten Tomatoes is is not the enemy. It's like basically you know the Borg. It's like the hive mind. It's it's just the data is all it is. It's you know combining all the critics into just one hive mind thing yeah that's what rotten tomatoes basically what they do is they give their review and i mean you can you can read a review that that's fresh and it still comes off as negative because they felt like there was enough in the movie to watch and at the end of the review they either click on rotten or fresh They're, they're given that choice rotten or fresh that's why when you are reading those reviews, each individual one has either a rotten splat or a tomato meter, meaning a tomato, meaning that it's fresh, that that's what they rated it. So they give their thoughts and then they choose rotten or fresh when they submit it. Um, and then certified fresh, I believe, is when I think it's at least four or five of the top critics in like the top – I don't know, what is it, 5 10% of critics, like the biggest publications, if four or five of those uh, guys or gals uh, like like the movie, then it's certified fresh. And if it's over 60%, I believe, or 70%. Um, it's it's confusing, but, you know, sort of, hey, doing the dishes back there, Michelle? <laughs> I think she is. All right. Yes. You know, to go to go along with the the certified fresh thing, uh, I know when Edge of Seventeen came out on DVD and Blu-ray, it actually had that right on the packaging. Yeah. Wow. So, so I mean, if you think about it in that context, even if someone just knows the the kind of the concept of that rating system, even if they're not 
going to see the movie in theaters, that could affect what they're actually buying. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you know, the, the, just seeing that little logo on a on a DVD or whatever. Yeah, here we go. Certified Fresh is a distinction given on Rotten Tomatoes for movies and TV shows with consistently positive reviews. The Certified Fresh seal is given to movies in wide release with a tomato meter of 75% or better and at least 80 reviews from tomato meter critics, including five top critics. So you can still have your movie be fresh or certified fresh. It just, it depends. But like, I, I think it does have some weight these days when it comes to certain people. Now there's going to be people that, that listen to this podcast and you're like, you're not swayed by critics and that's fine. I'll be honest with you. Um, I'm going to go see a lot of these big blockbuster movies regardless um, because I want to see how they adapt these stories, these comic book movies and things like that, regardless whether I think it's going to be bad or good. But if it is like an independent film that comes out, I might – if there's two independent – somebody playing TV? What's going on? Doing no, I'm trying to move away from the noise. No, I move into it. Go into that fucking uh, – into that mess. Jeez, now now you got somebody coughing back there? Sounds like sounds like you're in an infirmary and somebody's doing dishes. You with me, Jake? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I was uh Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm back. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Jake's like in the bathroom. It's the only safe place in the house. Uh, I know. I'm I'm in the attic in fetal position now. <laughs> <laughs> Jake's in the in the trunk of the car. Uh I, all I'm saying is like if there's like two independent films that come out at the same time, if there's one that's like certified fresh or fresh and there's one that's got like a 25%, I, Rotten Tomatoes made my decision for me. <laughs> I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I'm not, I don't want to go out of my way to see a shitty movie. Movies are expensive. They're not cheap. And so you, I agree. You can say it's hive mentality, and and there are critics that like go to these screenings, and as soon as they no, start- I'm, I am not. Yeah, I wasn't by calling it the Borg by meaning it was hive mentality. I just meant that it. At the end of the day, it's data. It's just it's the numbers. No, no, no. I'm talking about like, oh, yeah. literally like critics will go to screenings together in a city, and then like they know each other. They step out. You know, they're gonna have a cigarette and you know talk a little bit and. One of them will say, like, yeah, that movie was great. No, you know, some of them will agree or whatever. And then sometimes they'll say, yeah, so that was crap. And then they'll all kind of like agree. You know, they, you know, they all want to fit in. And so that's, you know, sometimes you have people make up your mind. Like, I think it'd be more interesting if they could, if they had to watch them by themselves and had to just come up with their own decision. You know, I'm not saying they're all like that, but I, I've heard critics, I've heard critics talk about that and how that works. Yeah. I can I can see that affecting a little bit of the numbers, especially not so much in the big blockbuster films, but in a yeah. little bit of the smaller films. Yeah, yeah. The taking away the all the critics seeing the movies together and the be cool club. Yeah. All right. I think we spent enough time on that, but yeah, it's interesting. What now. if they made a if they made Rotten Tomatoes the movie? The movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what would its score be? <laughs> I- Oh man, are they going animated tomatoes? Are we doing like, uh, or are we doing like an independent French film with subtitles and shit? And we're gonna go deep on it. I think we're doing animated tomatoes. Oh man, like snobby, See, I went snobby French critic. Film. Yeah, I want snobby critic tomatoes. Snobby critic that have to find their way when everyone hates them. 
and that you don't want to be rotten. I, I don't know. Let's let's workshop this a little bit more. Let's spend the next twenty minutes talking about this bullshit movie. No, I think it's a great. Right. I no, I think Rotten Tomatoes the movie would just be like kind of like the ultimate like cash grab gimmick inception. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. I think, yeah. I think if you were self-aware of that, yeah, you 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 really have something here. Yeah. Oh. Oh man, crazy, crazy, crazy. Yeah, we, we need to get on that. We need to edit yeah. this part of the podcast out and start our Rotten Tomatoes the movie screenplay. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about uh, real quick. I want to talk about this Hellboy reboot news. Uh, oh man, I don't know, man. Um, Ian McShane, he's been cast in the film. According to THR, he'll be playing Hellboy's adoptive father, Professor Broom. And um, this is Ian McShane. Uh, you know, he was Mr. Wednesday in American Gods. Ian McShane from Deadwood. Ian McShane from John Wick. I don't know. As much as I want to hate this movie and be, like, uh, loyal to my boy Guillermo del Toro and uh, Ron Perlman, my boys, that, that's a great casting. Yeah, you know what? I'm actually ready to just full-on turn on del Toro. And say yay for Hellboy remake. No, you're not. Stop it. Yeah, that's, wow. that's, no, I'm not. I'm not being sarcastic at all. That's where I'm at with it. Talk to me. Why? Where? How, I, take me. Because I'm a big Magnola fan, and and for everything I've heard is that like if if you've read Hellboy comics, like I'm not saying the Hellboy movies are bad. What we've had, but in a lot of ways, they're not Hellboy movies. You know, they're not. <laughs> They didn't really hit the mark on kind of the way the Mignola stuff is, you know, they kind of it sounds like they're going for the more R rating this time, which is kind of necessary to do any of it justice. Yeah, it yeah. really sounds like the goal here is to mimic the source material as much as possible. All right. And it's hard. It's hard for me not to get excited about that. OK, so basically you're going to say that this reboot did for Judge Dredd what the Carl Urban did to erase the Sylvester Stallone Rob Schneider bullshit. I think that's a fantastic analogy, but I still do have a part of me that feels bad putting Hellboy 1 and Hellboy 2 by Del Toro in the uh, Judge Dredd Stallone camp. No, you know, no, I'm not going to put no. It's a little extreme, but it's a perfect sure, analogy. Sure, I, I'm not saying no, 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 no. By no means <laughs> am I am I trying to compare Guillermo del Toro's Hellboy One and Hellboy Two to that that Judge Dredd movie. I, I that's that's an abomination for people <laughs> that are you know Judge Dredd fans. Um, I I all I'm saying is. Uh, I, I, I high taste Hellboy one and I Tupperware Hellboy two. I, I absolutely loved the fantasy and fun in Hellboy two, and I love Doug Jones in those movies. He's 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 just great, and then Ron Perlman, of course. But I'm with you 100 percent, actually. I um I high taste Hellboy one and I Tupperware Hellboy two. I thought Hellboy two was by far the better the better movie, but I don't know. I think a little bit of I know a lot of people really loved that second Sin City movie. Oh, it's but... great! It's so good, Jake. But as far as like receipts go and box office goes, like it, it proved like yeah, the franchise had just waited way too long. And yeah. I think we have a little bit of that here. I don't, I think Hellboy 3 would be just a ginormous flop of epic proportions if you put a lot of money into it. Yeah. And honestly, if there's any hope of being a financial success, I think this is really the only way you can go. Here. Yeah, yeah, it's a flop I wanted to see though. Okay. <laughs> so. I'm done with it. I'm, I'm over it. I had its funeral last week, and it's dead to me. 
Del Toro Hell, Del Toro Hellboy Three is is dead. R.I.P. Oh man, so uh, I love me I love me some David Harbor, Brian. You are all in on Jim Hopper. Yeah, I love me some Ian McShane too. I do sure too. That news too. I heard that news after I had the funeral, and uh, I was like, you know what? This is good therapy. This was pre Ian McShane funeral. <laughs> Pre-Ian McShane funeral, so that, that news was like flowers on the grave. Why don't you just ejaculate all over the tombstone while you're at it, Jake? <laughs> you're a fucking, you know, you're a monster. <laughs> I know, yeah, I'm, it's dead to me. Del Toro Hellboy is dead to me. Oh, oh man. I'm oh, done. And I think crazy. He, I think he is kind of, now that we know all the facts about what was going on with the studios and stuff, I think Del Toro is kind of shown in a bad light. And I think he he was kind of like, he knew what was going on and was in a little way stringing along the fans by even making them think there was a hope that this could happen. It was ridiculous. Like He's, he had his, oh. oh, everyone retweet this. And oh, we all did. Yeah. We didn't get shit because he has no control or power and already knew that. Yeah. So I don't, I feel like he wasn't up front with us. And that was a little shady. Uh, he so. just, hey, he wanted to be told he was pretty, okay? Yeah, so goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> goodbye, sir. <laughs> good, good day, Del Toro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, go, go make Pan's Labyrinth 2. Oh, good man. Deal. Yeah, I, I'm fine with this. This sounds great. All right, hey, Harmon, I need a counterpoint, oh. man. I don't know. Uh, I'm kind of <laughs> along with Jacob at this point, to be honest. All right. Uh, I don't know. I, I would kind of like to see, at this point, I would like to see, like, an animated Hellboy 3 just to give us the closure of that original story. Yes, yes. Figure out what happened, you know, because, I mean, uh, Liz was pregnant with twins. Like, maybe we get them when they're, you know, not quite older than toddlers. I don't know, kids, early teens, whatever. Give us that last story in an animated. Have the cast come back to do the voices because I'm sure they all would. Yeah. And finish off that story, and then that gives us a chance to have this new Hellboy come in in the you know in the live action sense and see where that can take us. Yeah, they're fast tracking this thing, man. I mean, this is going to start filming like late at the end of this year, and they're wanting to have it out I think by December of 2018. So they're fast tracking this shit. film. Yeah, <laughs> I think I. Even though they're fast tracking it, though, I honestly think they've probably been working on that screenplay That's, for quite a while. Uh, that, oh, they have to have been. Oh, that news has yeah. already been reported. They've been working on the screenplay six, seven, eight months ago. Yeah, so that's more shit Del Toro is hiding from people. You know, Andrew Crosby and Mike Mignola have been working on this. Uh, Andrew Cosby, excuse me, has been wor- working on this with Mike Mignola for the past six, seven, eight months now. So Yeah. I love that Mignola is so heavily involved. That makes me happy. Oh, definitely. So, I mean, whatever. Mm. This sounds great. No, I mean, I'm not going to be down on this news at all. Uh, I think it all goes back for me a little bit of loyalty to Del Toro for for doing this in the first place. And, and I, I do think the guy is very creative. He's a fan. He's a fan of monsters. I mean, if you take a tour through this guy's house, he's got, like, tons of, like, the universal monster stuff that he grew up with. I mean, watch Pan's Labyrinth and see what this guy can create when he's uh, when he's able to do what he wants to do. This guy is absolutely fantastic when it comes to creature designs. And he's a fan. He's a fan of Hellboy. And um, 
I, I do have some loyalty towards him, but it, it is it is over. And I do want a great Hellboy movie. I mean, and if they can do a really great Hellboy rated R, um, then go for it. And I love this casting of Ian McShane. This is you can't go wrong with Ian McShane. Like this guy mesmerizes me anytime. I'm watching him in anything. I feel like I, you know, I come in there, I'm all pissed off, I'm like a cobra and shit, and then I got Mongoose Ian McShane fucking, like, taking over and shit, and I'm just entranced by him, and it's like, oh my god, this guy is amazing. Look at the way this guy I love Ian McShane, too. I feel like the casting of Ian McShane is, like, the certifying of the R rating, too. Right? I mean, (laughs) god damn it, you can't go wrong with Ian McShane. It's like... You put him in anything, and you got my attention. I mean, honestly, I, I probably would have Tupperware Dark Tower if they would have had Ian McShane in there as the Man in Black. So, right. uh, I gotta open the door and let the cat out. It's yelling at me. All right, yeah, that's uh, that's uh, code word for Jake's gonna go masturbate. We'll be right back. <laughs> no, I'm back. I don't. I don't need uh, a break. I'm good. Got, right. <laughs> uh, have either of you guys seen the trailer for Del Toro's new movie, The Shape of Water? Yes, yes, I did see the trailer for that, and it looks amazing. It looks fantastic. Yes. And I need to see that. I haven't seen that trailer. Uh, is I mean, this... you get Doug Jones coming back as another creature that yeah. it looks so much like Abe Sapien. And, like, obviously there's no way that it's that it's related. No, 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 no. Hey, this goes back to me talking about his love for the Universal Monsters. Like, this is like the creature from the Black Lagoon, right? Oh, there, there's definitely similarities. Yes. I, I, and I, it does look like a like it's going to be a, a stunning movie. This looks I mean, like it's like they're saying it's like a horror romance. So there's a lot of lot yeah, of potential. Yeah, yeah. Like what I'm worried about, and it, it reminds me of like the Green Mile meets like the Universal Monsters. Um, <laughs> I, that sounds cool. Yeah, I, I, it, it it the trailer looks amazing, Jake. You've got to watch this trailer. Maybe on break or something. But it's it's absolutely fantastic. And like, but I'm 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 worried about i hope it's low budget i hope it can make its money back that's the thing it's like you've got him in there doing movies like crimson peak which have like a larger budget and and then don't make the money back and then it it hurts del toro so he's kind of lost all his street cred at this point yeah 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 so that's one thing i I hope it's got a lower budget and you know kind of like uh i think more people should be doing what uh blumhouse is doing and making like these cheaper movies so that you know i mean you make your money back really easily (laughs) you really do so oh man yeah i'm really i'm really fucking excited about the hellboy reboot i i'm hoping for the best i gosh it Everything that's been put on paper sounds like it's going to be great so far. I'm excited. I'm excited for Ian McShane. I, I think that I, you know, David Harbor. Um, he, I think he can do it. I don't know. I mean, I haven't. You know, he's he's the sheriff in Stranger Things, and and he was in Suicide Squad for like three seconds in that <laughs> boardroom. Like, I don't. I, I, let's see what he can do with the character. That's who's got to sell us, right? It's yeah. got, it's got it's to be It's great casting on their part, though, because he's, there's a good chance he can do it, and I'm sure they got him for pennies. Like, they, that's more money they can spend on effects. Right. Because their star, I mean, they probably got for basically nothing. Oh, I can't wait for the next article. Uh, David Harbour made more than Gal Gadot in Wonder Woman. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I'm, yeah be... I'm super excited. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, let's move yeah, on. How, oh, how's yeah. That, how's that for passionate about something, Scott Shooty? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> oh, wow. 
<laughs> oh, shots fired. Um, <laughs> Shade. Um, yeah, uh, side note, a fan on Twitter asked Ron Perlman if he'd cameo for the new Hellboy film, uh, to which uh, Ron Perlman replied, when Hellboy freezes over. So there's no chance in hell he's ever going to cameo in the new Hellboy. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. want him to. I don't think it's necessary. So... It's stupid, but he needs to grow up. There used to be a time in these movies where I'd love it when, uh, you know, like uh, different uh, actors would cameo in these reboots. Like, you know, like Charlton Heston's going to be in the new Planet of the Apes, the Tim Burton movie. And this time he's an ape. And like, oh, it pays homage to him. And I was like really excited back in like, you know, 2000 or whenever the fuck that came out when that happened. And, you know, you know, oh, Arnold's going to be in this uh, new Terminator thing. And, uh, you know, you get excited some of that for some of that stuff. Um, yeah, but, Bill Murray yeah. being in the Ghostbusters movie. Yeah, yeah. You get, I, I'm, I'm past it now. I, I've been past it for a long time. Uh, I think it kind of it's a distraction at this point. I don't mind it in the CW shows because, like, you know, come on. Those are those are fun, light and fluffy. But, like. For some of these new properties, I, I don't need those cameos to take me out of the moment, you know? I don't need yeah, it. Anymore. I agree. Yeah. It's pretty hackneyed. Um, and I think it works best if, you, if it's not, like, out there and you already know either. And that never happens anymore. So just why even bother? Right. Yeah. Hey, let's talk about uh, – you guys want to talk about some Transformers? Oh, yeah. What, oh, what, sure. What version? <laughs> All right, Transformers. Uh, I got some Bumblebee movie news. And oh, yeah. uh, it's – guys, <laughs> it's not bad. It's actually are we getting the Volkswagen? I'm, yeah, we are. Okay, it's this is all really good news, and I, and I'm surprised to be saying this. I'm really surprised to be saying this. It it, it starts filming. Um, it has started filming, and it's going to come out December 21st of 2018. Uh, I have director and casting news. First off, the director is Travis Knight. He's the director for Kubo and the Two Strings. And, um, oh wow. Yeah. It's his I, first live action movie, right? First live action movie. He's done like, he's been like, uh, on Paranorman and, and, uh, you know, some of these, uh, animated movies that I've really enjoyed. I, I loved Paranorman. I loved Kubo and the Two Strings and he directed that. Uh, it's gonna star Haley Steinfeld from True Grit and The Edge of Seventeen, Jacob. Oh yeah, she's fantastic. She's great. She is absolutely wonderful. And uh, they also recently added to the cast John Cena. Oh, oh hot damn. Sign me up. Yeah, and start the trumpets. So she apparently um, – let's see here. I, I, I also I, – I think this is funny. The fact that John Cena is following Mark Wahlberg and in the movie Train Trainwreck, Mark Wahlberg uh, – John Cena says he looks like – he ate Mark Wahlberg or something. Remember that? <laughs> the guy goes, yeah, look at you, Mark Wahlberg-looking motherfucker. And he's like, what? Mark Wahlberg? Who you call Mark Wahlberg? I look like I ate Mark Wahlberg. Uh, pretty funny shit. Um, but yeah, this is pretty interesting. It's definitely going to be John Cena's make or break, like whether or not he's going to be able to transcend wrestling and do a bunch of movies, I think, will be defined by this movie. I don't think uh, – I mean, he, you know, John Cena was in – train wreck he was in he was in uh some other sisters he, yeah and he did that you know he's done some action films some of those we films but yeah, it's not gonna be, it's not his movie this is Haley steinfeld's film this is a this is a coming of age story about a girl in her car jake so this is not okay uh let me read the synopsis there is an official synopsis um 
and I love the synopsis, guys. Uh, on the run in the year 1987, Bumblebee finds refuge in a junkyard in a small Californian beach town. Uh, Charlie, who played by Haley Steinfeld, on the cusp of turning 18. So, Harmon, she's on the edge of 17. Hey, hey. <laughs> anyway, and trying to find her place in the world, discovers Bumblebee battle-scarred and broken. When Charlie revives him, she quickly learns this is no ordinary yellow VW bug. I love everything about that. Um, as we know uh, from watching Transformers the last night, spoilers, Bumblebee has actually been on the Earth for quite a long time. You know, he was actually involved in World War II. Um, you know, like when you watch Transformers, I'm going to have to go back and watch Transformers, the first one, just skip ahead to like when they're all landing. I don't... That's what that's what confused me is like I thought that he arrived with them. I didn't know he was like a scout that's been there all along and has been part of like you know uh, protecting the Witwicky family, the Witwickians or whatever they call themselves. So, Maybe he was visiting home for like Robot Christmas. This is before he gets his voice uh, modulator or whatever broken. So we're we're gonna have somebody voicing Bumblebee, I'm sure, in this movie. But I everything that I'm reading so far about this. The fact that he's going to be a VW bug. It's 1987. Uh, the director is Travis Knight from Kubo and the Two Strings. Uh, all, all this news I love, and like John Cena is probably going to play her dad, and like a you know like a like a grease monkey working in in this uh, you know uh, auto body or whatever this junkyard. And uh, I I what are you guys thinking? I mean, the, if listen to you, it almost sounds like you're excited. It kind of. I, I, this is a departure. It, 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 the, we know that the budget's a lot lower on this film uh, than the Bayformers Transformers films. They're giving it a much lower budget. I, I think they're taking a departure here. We're going to the 80s, and I think they're like, well, we've we've done things the way that Michaels wanted them to do. Let's let's try to do let's try to meet in the middle. Let's try to do some things that some of the core Transformers fans have wanted to see. Uh, we can't probably change the aesthetic of what he's going to look like when he turns into like the robot, but let's make him a VW bug. And let, like, let's make this in the eighties. Cause like the cartoon took place, you know, in the early to mid eighties. Uh, you know, what do you, Harmon, what are you thinking? You know, I, I hope that it's a little bit more of a, uh, a lighthearted movie than the more recent transformers have been. I hope that it's a fun movie. And I'm so far, I'm actually really excited. I mean, the fact that we're getting, the Volkswagen Beetle Bumblebee. I mean, you got Haley Steinfeld and John Cena, and Steinfeld is such a great actress. I mean, I loved her in True Grit. I loved her in Edge of Seventeen, and yeah. I mean, she was the leading role, really, in both of those movies. I, I'm confident she can handle being the leading role in this. Yeah, yeah. And She's, I mean, it's set during the '80s, so it's, I'm I'm sold. Obviously, this 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 actress is is so talented, and I I've ne it's going to be interesting though to see her working with. How, 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 like John Cena, <laughs> John Cena. And then she's also going to have to interact with a CG character, which I don't know if she's ever done before in a film. So this will yeah, also that's be interesting. definitely a hard thing to do for the first time. Yeah, oh, but, for sure. But I mean, this girl has been able to hold her own, like in her first movie, True Grit. I mean, she's working with Jeff Bridges and she's been able to hold her own and work with some of the best in Hollywood. But yeah, Woody Harrelson. Yeah, I mean, she's. Yeah. Yeah. She all can roll actors, with the big guys. <laughs> all those actors, though, probably were very encouraging to her, and also she probably learned a lot of craft from each one of those actors. Yeah, you know, she's and probably not. 
and they were in the same room. So yeah, right. she's not going to learn any craft from uh, stick figure Bumblebee. No, honestly, I think John, hopefully she I, can take what she's learned and yeah. apply it to this. Because uh, I've got hope for this. Yeah, I, I yeah, think there's, there's a lot of reason to have hope here. I, I really think there is. Um, you know, they're not going to spend all this money on special effects, and yeah. so maybe they're going to actually rely on character development and good storytelling. What, so. what and I'm, that's what I want. I want a good character movie. Yes. I don't want to see Bumblebee fighting Megatron no. in, like, the 80s. No, no fuck no, that. No, 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 no. I want to see them going on some cool road trip adventure. I want to see and, – and call me crazy, but I want to see them kind of rip off a little bit of the old Starman film from the 80s where it's the government – trying to chase down this alien life form, you know, and they're on the road and trying to get away. And, and I like movies like that. I mean, I loved uh, midnight special. I thought that that was fantastic. And I love Starman and stuff like that. I think it'd be a more personal movie and like, not like end of the earth. Like here's another, <laughs> uh, MacGuffin, you know, like this is like, yeah. we, we've got our new, uh, piece of uh, something that Megatron wants to use to destroy the planet. And, and uh, or I don't know, I, maybe the government's after Bumblebee or something. I don't know, I, but I, I don't need cameos. Don't give me a, like a, a like a don't age down John Turturro. I don't need to see a John Turturro looking <laughs> no, like not at all. <laughs> I don't need to see him looking like John Turturro from like you know the Color of Money. You know, like that 1986 John Turturro. Don't age him down. I don't need. I don't need any of those characters. Don't give me any cameos from any characters in any previous Transformers film. Let's give this a fresh slate and let's make this a a fun 80s Transformers movie. Don't fuck this up. And I, 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 you know, I don't know. If we're going off past history, they'll fuck it up. But with all the talent involved, Travis Knight, Haley Steinfeld, and the fact, the setting, I, I've got, I've got hopes. I've got hopes for this film. I'm not saying it's going to be good, but, but I, I, I like what I hear and I can't say there's anything in this that I don't like. So. I know I have, have not title? seen. What was that, Jake? Does this movie have a title? Is it called Transformers: Colon Bumblebee? No, it's called Bumblebee Begins. Oh, is that really the name of it? No, no, I just made that up. Okay. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> uh, oh man. Uh, okay. What do you think it will be called? Do you think it will just be called Bumblebee? Ah. Uh, it's got to have the name? Transformers name in there. Transformers yeah. colon something. An Autobot story. Bumblebee. I don't know. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm i looking forward to it. I, I hope it has like a different look to it. I don't want it to – I lo- you know, Jake, I, I know we love the – the Michael Bay look. Like when you look at a Michael Bay movie, it's like so crystal clear. The sky looks beautiful. Everything, the setting looks, the, the, the screen is just crystal clear. It looks amazing. I just want it to have like a different filter, a different look to it as well. I want it to, yeah. I want this to feel like the 80s, like the Duffer Brothers got a hold of this. Like the Duffer Brothers took a shit on Transformers and, <laughs> and gave us. You want like 80s film stock? You want the whole nine, huh? Yeah, but I don't want them to like give us like, um, the Suicide Squad Atomic Blonde soundtrack treatment either, you know? Uh, so. Every every famous 80s song. <laughs> it'll, it'll have uh, Simple Minds, Breakfast Club song. Oh, God. Now, at the end of the movie, Bumblebee throws his fist up in the air. <laughs> oh, sign me the fuck up. I'm, I'm into this. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Man. They're going to they're gonna get uh, Molly Ringwald to play her mother in this film. 
Oh, don't tease me like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, most likely this film will just be giant prequelitis for the make Michael Bay movies and terrible, right? I think I think they're I think they're gonna I think they wanna try something different after I think they want to try something different. They're gonna they're experimenting. They've made enough money off of these movies and the budget isn't as big on this one as the other Transformers films. So I think they have a little bit room a little bit of room to experiment with this one. And I hope that this will be kind of like an injection back into the franchise and get people excited about Transformers again because people weren't excited about that last film. It did not right. do that great in the box office. Like I don't know what it did internationally. It may have blow up in China again. They, you know, China, they love the films. Uh, Transformers always does well over in China. But, um, here domestically. They were destined to fail eventually. Yeah. The numbers for the first four movies are so ginormous. Yeah. Like, it never even made any sense how big they were. Yeah. So, like, even though the fifth one by no means was a financial failure, but no. eventually you're just not going to be able to stack up to those ridiculous numbers that those first four movies banked in. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So uh, I've got other uh, Transformers news via comicbookmovie.com. Uh, there's a new animated Transformers movie in development that will be receiving a theatrical release. The information was confirmed during Hasbro's annual Investor Day. Boulder Media Studio, a Hasbro-owned film company, will be overseeing development on the project while also developing theatrical films for My Little Pony and Stretch Armstrong. Found that interesting. That pony movie is going to be huge. There's lots of bronies out there. So, yeah, a lot of bronies. Um, there's. I'm surprised you're not a brony, Jake. You, you totally yeah. like fit into that brony camp. I'm not into them. I'm not, I'm not into them. Um, the only thing I've seen that I really like is when they take the My Little Pony stuff and put like really hard wrap like over top of it. Yeah, but I, I will fall into that rabbit hole on YouTube sometimes. Uh, I did see uh, what was it? Uh, it was like uh, Starscream versus Pinkie Pie or something. Yeah, like, yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> pretty or Rainbow Dash. I, I don't know. I, I know a couple bronies, and there's a shocking amount of lore and canon in that universe. And does, I was like, "Yeah, I, I do not want to know any of this." Does it start off? Does it start off with them being like uh, bronies, and the, does it turn into them turning into furries and like fucking these things? It definitely seems like a gateway drug to that. <laughs> like they're like they're dressing up as like they're they're dressing up as centaurs and shit and fucking these things. <laughs> Yeah, probably. I'm sure. I don't know. I don't know. I have not delved deep into the Brody lifestyle. Apparently, there's a documentary out there that's pretty hilarious. Oh, there's a really good documentary. It's uh, it's narrated by John Delancey. Oh, nice. And uh, it was on Netflix probably a little over a year ago. And I think it's just called, like, Brony the Movie. And uh, I, I seriously, I really recommend watching it. It was incredibly interesting. Do you it think- was all about these bronies going to like BronyCon. It's like yeah. the largest brony convention in the world. It's uh, it was it was a good way to kill ninety minutes. What's it called again? I think it's just called Brony. Brony. Uh, brony. Okay. Yeah. Just okay. Just I know this is a stretch, but just imagine yourself like one of these guys had a girlfriend. Okay. Um, <laughs> now, do you think at any time, at any time, at any point in time, they ever told their uh, their girlfriend? Take a ride on my baloney pony. You ever think that they it, those were they've ever uttered those words? Maybe not as a collective, but definitely some have. Okay, at some point. <laughs> yeah. All right. 
Just throwing it out there. Uh, yeah, but this transform. Wow, we went off the rails there talking about my little. Is it pony. called a brony tale? I'm looking for this thing. No, it's called Bronies, the extremely unexpected adult fans of My Little Pony. Mm, okay. Wow. Is Bronies plural? Do you drop the Y? It, yeah, it becomes an I E S. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, we, question I never thought I'd you, ask. You guys are you know, we're getting some education here. Jeez. Where's that well, the I more you in, know I, star coming up, you know? Yeah. I knew in normal English you would, but since brony is a made up thing, I there's sometimes there's exceptions. I think it'd be awesome, like during these episodes of My Little Pony, like randomly these fucking horses just take a shit. You see, like, you know what I mean? Like, I did not know where you were going to go with that. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure where you were going. No, wouldn't it be great if you saw, like, Pinkie Pie and Rainbow Dash just talking and all of a sudden Pinkie Pie out of her fucking, you know, out of... Is it, <laughs> is it pink shitting. and rainbow shit? That's a question I have. No, I want it to just look like horse shit and just start plopping out. Uh, yeah. It should be more regularly than every now and again if it was going to be, like, a realistic thing. Yeah. It should just be like all the time, and they should just take no notice that it's even happening while they're talking to each other. <laughs> I know that's what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. They just keep they go on talking like it's not affecting them at all. Yeah, it should never even be addressed. Not even addressed. <laughs> no, it, but it stays on screen too. You know, yeah, exactly. It's, it's just, just there. there, right? <laughs> where do all the where do all the ponies reside? What's their land called? Do you know any of this information, Harmon? Oh. God, I don't know. Uh, Equestria, I think that's it. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> you pretended like you didn't know for a second. Get out of here. <laughs> I have a confession to make, guys. <laughs> oh, oh, breaking news. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Jacob People Harmon. love that shit. Oh, it has yeah. a base, that's for sure. That's hilarious. Anyway, I was talking about this Transformers animated movie. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, anyway, I'm just, it takes a horrible turn. Uh, the animated film is gonna be, uh, set within the continuity of the live action Transformers movie universe, so. Yeah. Can we, you wanna talk about the Stretch Armstrong thing for an hour now? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, no. I, uh, I never had a Stretch Armstrong toy, but I, I knew, I had friends that did, so. You ever been hit by a Stretch Armstrong toy? Oh, God. I mean, you know, it hurts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh fuck! Like when yeah. you're when you're both grabbing an arm and pulling it, yes. and your jerk friend lets go, and the thing like <laughs> smacks you in the chest. Oh my god! They did that with uh, did did they do that with like some of the WWF wrestlers back in the day? Oh yeah, those things. They weren't quite as stretchy. Those things no. hurt even more. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, let's uh, let's take a break, and we'll come back. And I got uh, some Stranger Things two shit to talk about. Fuck yes. Awesome. Greetings, Leftover Army. Pop Culture Leftovers is the people's podcast. They're always looking for new writers and YouTube reviewers to join the team because they themselves aren't talented enough to write them. In all honesty, they're not even sure Frank can read. But their listeners can. So send your reviews to popcultureleftovers at gmail.com, and if the leftovers like it, They'll contact you, and you could see your article featured on popcultureleftovers.com. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Leftover Army. You should follow the leftovers on Instagram at instagram.com slash popcultureleftovers and on Tumblr 
at popcultureleftovers2.tumblr.com. If you get a few shots of vodka in you, it's almost as sexy as my voice. That's gangster. All right. Hey, we are back. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about Stranger Things Season 2. It's a fan theory. And uh, it's one that's really taken a lot of uh, – it's got a lot of steam. Um, A lot of people are kind of behind this. And I I wanted to present it to you guys. It was on Reddit. And I wanted to present it to you guys and and get your thoughts on this to see if this is plausible. Uh, Here's the theory. The Upside Down seems to be a parallel universe version of Hawkins. But fans are still trying to figure out what it actually is. One suggestion – the Upside Down isn't another dimension. It's Hawkins' future. The supposition is that somehow Eleven tore a hole in the space-time continuum, allowing bits of a potential future to flow into Hawkins to create a time loop. The future she's seeing? It's Hawkins, after the site has been nuked by the U.S. government to stop the giant creature from the teaser and the Upside Down. That would explain why the Upside Down, a mirror of Hawkins, but ruined and constantly beset by, uh, uh, and constantly beset by falling ash, and the monsters are mutated creatures or people from the future they're helping to create. Um, yeah, that, I like that. It's so, not only it's, is it the future, but it's a future alternate reality. It's the future, and it could be their reality, and that's why, like, when uh, people from the 80s are going into the Upside Down, you always see them, like, wearing the radiation suits as well. Mm. I don't know, it's an interesting theory, but I don't know, it's one of those things with time travel where, like, what if Eleven had never created that, that rift? Like, would, the, would it have gotten to the point where it would have been nuked in the first place? Yeah, uh, see, now now we got to talk to Robert Zemeckis and James Cameron about time travel, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I, I don't know, man. It's, I, I think it is plausible. Um, I don't know if it's if if it's as exciting though as like just an alternate dimension. I don't know. I think it's a neat theory, yeah. but I prefer that. The, the upside down is just an, an alternate reality. I don't know. Does this help support it though? Because we recently found out the Duffer Brothers they sat down with Screen Rant and they talked about how this was originally supposed to be an anthology show. Uh, hold on. There is here, here's what they said. There is some truth to that. They were asked if it was going to be originally an anthology show. They said there is some truth to that. Yeah, that was when we were pitching it. That was true because we looked at Stephen King's It. And we like that time jump that they made, so we kind of pitched that. Then Netflix was really interested in it as a series, because rightfully so. Hold on, my TV just turned on. Hold on, Jesus. <laughs> All right, we're back. I'm sorry, my TV turned on. Jesus. Um, what was it? Yeah, the, uh, d- uh, fucking uh, Duffer Brothers, they were talking, and uh, – they said, then Netflix was really interested in it as a series because rightfully so. They were like, I think people are going to fall in love with these kids. We are going to invest so much time with them. We're going to want to continue our journey with them. And they were right. Once we started building a writer's room and working on the show, we started to develop it 
and plan a multiple season arc. Now, the reason I'm kind of bringing this up is because they mentioned this. It was supposed to be an anthology show and then do kind of like a time jump. And when you say time jump and I'm throwing out this previous theory, was the time jump to show that post, you know, this, this post apocalyptic future of Hawkins? Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Or was the time jump to, was it, were they going to do like the it thing where we saw the, the kids as adults? That's what I'm saying. But now that, now they're getting closer to that post apocalyptic or they're in that post apocalyptic world. Huh. That's interesting. Maybe they just kind of picked and choose some of the concepts that they had for the different anthology arcs and with the popularity of the kids, just kind of mixed and matched the stuff that they really liked into one all-encompassing story. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think it'd be interesting to find out, like, you know, like maybe like uh, one of these scientists that are working on Eleven is an alternate future of one of these actual kids or something. I don't know. Yeah, I think a lot of this mythology, a little bit of it's on the fly, though. I mean, that's all presumption. Sure. But, I I mean, I really think it is. Just what we know about these guys and what they're into. And it's like, oh, we like aliens. We're going to get Paul Reiser. And, you know, we're fans of this and we're fans of that. I I think a lot of it's a little bit by the seat of their pants. And I I think that's a lot of what works for this show. Well, after the show, after the first season aired, they said, oh, we have plenty more story to tell because we had, like, this 10-page treatment all planned out and we had more story to tell and i was thinking to myself was that what they were originally going to do in this anthology and netflix kind of like you know kind of put the brakes on that and said hey people are loving these kids let's not finish the story let's let's keep it going i don't know yeah it seemed like they had to like the, the stranger things kids were like one of the top three biggest pop culture like sensations of last year oh yeah yeah they were showing up to every event they were at cons they were all over the internet millie bobby brown is rapping i mean so yeah they go, okay that's done one and done we're done with stranger things kids like if that was the case like if that was what the duffer brothers were putting out there like i gotta imagine you're exactly right brian that netflix was like hey yeah hold your horses. right like what can we right. do? And I, I got to imagine that they got a pretty heavy like stipend for continuing on with this. Like, I bet they got a pretty good raise for Stranger Things too. How much oh, of that? Sure. How much of that ten-page treatment is going to go into this second season, though? You know, because that ten-page treatment was—it sounds like it was supposed to be part of that first season anthology. I really think it's just what the concepts and ideas that they like will seep their way into this new script that they wrote for this season. Right. It, it, like, uh, we, we still will get to the same ending. They're just going to get there differently, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my thing fell out of my iPad. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> All right. <laughs> I think in a way, they, I bet they don't have the ending 100% nailed down. I, I'm sure that. Oh, no, don't tell me that. I want them to stick the landing on this one. Come on. And I think they very well still could, but just like all the evidence that it was supposed to be an anthology series kind of shows you like anthology series are like the classic deal with those things or you have an open-ended ending. Like that's just how those things kind of end. That's right. You know? Right. And who's to say that we won't get, you know, three seasons or so with, with this cast and that come season four, it's something different. Uh, I mean, it could still end up being a anthology series, even if it's a bit more long winded, so to speak. 
<laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Like you could do Stranger Things season five and we're somewhere completely different. Yeah, it could be something totally different. It could even be Hawkins in a, a completely different time period. Who knows? But for now, I think they've got such a good cast and they're probably raking in a ridiculous amount of money that they want to stick with it. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and there's the time. Uh, these kids are only these kids for so long. So you got to milk this now. Now or never. Oh, nah. without a doubt. Nah, they're and, getting, I mean, you look at like that show is so popular for its 80s nostalgia. Maybe come season four, we get something set in the 90s. Like, or they could even do a different show set in like the the 70s. Who knows? There's a there's a lot of opportunities here. I think they're pumping these kids' blood full of like. I think they're pumping these kids with like hormones and like Emmanuel Lewis's blood and to make them look younger <laughs> to keep them young. The um, blood of Emmanuel Lewis. Yeah, the blood of Emmanuel Lewis. <laughs> and they they found they found some Gary Coleman blood in the freezer. They're using that shit too. It's a cocktail of of those those actors that looked really young when they got really old. Like Andy Milanakis is he's over there fucking donating and uh, <laughs> mix a little bit of Dick Clark's bones in there. Yeah, they grind those up into a fine powder, mortar and yeah. pistol and shit, and they're they're sucking down fucking Dick Clark shakes. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you'll never age. <laughs> Uh, they're making him watch Peter Pan on on loop. Uh, it's ridiculous. They don't want these kids to grow up, you know. Even if that fucking one kid could grow teeth, they'd knock him out. I mean, that's hilarious. Yeah. So that's every every year the first day on the set. That's the like thing they do. Yeah. <laughs> knock his teeth they're out. Not- it's, the, it's the opening day ceremony. <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's like uh, it's like the uh, it's like when a new ship leaves the port and you take the yeah. bottle of champagne and you bust it on the side of it. That's what they do to this kid's fucking teeth. They, they <laughs> knock it out with a bottle of champagne, and you're not old enough to drink, you little son of a bitch. So, <laughs> um, how yeah, long? How long? How long before these kids? How long? Hey, which one of them's gonna be the fucked up one that turns into like the Corey Feldman, Corey Haim? Fucking it's definitely Dustin. Todd Bridges. Oh, no doubt about it. Dustin's going to turn into fucking Screech. He's going to be the Dustin Diamond. <laughs> Dustin will be the first that we see a mugshot of. He's going to be he's going to be the fucking Drew Barrymore like doing coke and all this shit. Yeah, he'll be the first we see the mugshot of. Right. How long before he's this... definitely the most character driven of them all. Like it's it's yet to be seen if he can do anything but be Dustin. How long before him and the Cash Me Outside girl are doing a porno together? Um, I, I, it's gonna be a while. I think she just finally got put in juvie. It's gonna be called uh, "Catch Me Outside." How about that, Dustin? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, uh, Stranger Things. I don't know what they could call it. Yeah, I'm Stranger Things too, man. I'm scared about spoilers for that shit. Like, no one gave a fuck for season one. So oh it just no, wasn't a, it just it came wasn't out of nowhere, deal. right? Yeah, but but now it's like fucking people are so excited and. Oh man! Are they? Uh, hey, I, I'm worried about these hackers, man. These hackers have been hacking a ton of shit lately. I mean, HBO, uh, Game of Thrones. Uh, they had 1.5 terabytes hacked, and within those hacks, they got uh, season seven of Game of Thrones, and they leaked it early. Um, I mean, they hacked. I mean, hackers have recently hacked Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, you know, Orange Is the New Black got hacked. Um, you know, Netflix got hacked. So like, I'm worried about this show getting hacked and, and all this shit. So 
Oh, man. They better not find out our secrets. They're very dark. <laughs> We're not smart enough to hack. Uh, and oh. like, uh, I know, like, none of us right now know what's inside that, that Ghostbusters trap there. Like, we can speculate and whatnot, and I would hate to have it spoiled for me that it's yeah. whatever it is. I yeah, think just I, anything. I, I don't want to know anything. I think it's. No, that, I want to go in as blind as I can. I think it's that thing that Will puked up. Yeah, that's. It I, could I, be. I think, <laughs> I think you're very. I think it very well could be. Yeah. I hope that stuff's really fun. I hope we do see an encounter with the thing he puked up. Oh, so it's going to be like uh, in Ghostbusters too, when you play music, it dances and shit. <laughs> no, I was thinking more like like Evil Deadish, where it's like. Alive and running around like the hand. And no, the kids. Are the, the kids it. If you, pour, no, I like the Ghostbusters two idea better. If you pour water on it, it it multiplies. Don't feed it after midnight and don't put it in the sunlight. Right. I like the Gremlin stuff. That's yeah. good too. It's all eighty, so it's all Stranger Things. I know. I I can't wait for Stranger Things season two. I just thought that was an interesting theory. Um, you know, everybody's thinking it's an alternate dimension, and for it to be like an alternate future is uh, it's kind of interesting. I, uh, let's move on to this next uh, news, uh, bit of news. Uh, Karate Kid, getting a sequel of sorts. Um, you know, I I know we got Karate Kid 2 and 3, and then there was the female-led Karate Kid movie. I think it was called, like, The Next Karate Kid that didn't have Ralph Macchio, but it did have Pat Morita come back and play Mr. Miyagi. Um, and, Hillary Swank, I believe. Yeah, it was Hillary Swank. Yeah, the uh, female Matt Damon. Um and I'm not gonna count. I'm not gonna count the Karate Kid cartoon from the '80s. <laughs> <laughs> did you ever watch that, Jake? I did. I did. Yeah. I, I, I would. I don't think I've ever seen it since I was a kid. I bet it's awful now. Oh, I, I, I've, I've, I've went back and watched like the intro to it, um, and it's just crazy action. They got like a wacky sidekick. It's just the stupidest thing that was ever made. Oh, it was I'm gonna be. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna be watching it on mute in just a second. Yeah. Uh, here's the news on this Karate Kid revival. It comes from TV line. YouTube Red has ordered to series Cobra Kai, a continuation of the classic 1984 film, The Karate Kid, with Ralph Macchio and William Zapka on board to reprise their roles as Daniel LaRusso and Johnny Lawrence. Per The Hollywood Reporter, the 10-episode series landed at the streaming service after a bidding war with the likes of Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, and AMC. It's set to premiere. Wow. Yeah. Set to premiere in 2018. Cobra Kai is described as a half-hour comedy that takes place 30 years after the All-Valley Karate Tournament. A down-on-his-luck Johnny decides to reopen the Cobra Kai dojo. Meanwhile, Daniel finds himself struggling without his mentor, Mr. Miyagi, Soon enough, the, their one-time rivalry is reignited, and the two decide that the best way to deal with their feud is through, you guessed it, karate. So uh, I want to know what you guys' thoughts are on this. Like, are you looking forward to this, not looking forward to it? Uh, I think it sounds pretty cool. Um, from what I've read, it's kind of being described as a little bit cheeky and kind of more in the comedy vein. Oh, yeah. I and mean, I, the uh, you've got who, – who's, who's heading this up? Josh Heald from Hot Tub Time Machine, uh, John Hurwitz and Hayden Schlossberg from Harold and Kumar. They're going to serve as writers on the series. So, yeah, you've got you've got some comedy comedy minds involved in this. 
Yeah, so I think this could I think this could be a lot of fun. It sounds like they're obviously not going to take themselves too seriously, and I think it, I'm excited to revisit this universe and laugh about some of the like tropes I've made fun of from the Karate Kid series my entire life. So I think this could be a lot of fun. Cobra Kai. Okay, Harmon. Yeah, I'm totally sold. Uh, these movies, uh, the first three are actually like super important to me. Um, so I'm really happy to have a chance to revisit this world and it'd be, I think it's going to be great. I mean, the fact that it's going to be a comedy they're they're having the, you know, the principal actors come back. I think it's going to be a lot of fun and there hasn't been really a, a lot of great karate stuff lately. Cause that, that kind of fell out of, out of taste. So it'll be neat to see something else in that, that kind of vein again. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, you know, I, I love the raid and stuff like that, but this is totally different. This is something completely different. Um, well, I'm, it's YouTube Red. Does that have you worried at all? Uh, I don't like that because YouTube Red is a pretty expensive for what it is so far. And I mean, I know that's an original show and that maybe justifies it a little bit more, but it's kind of really the only one so far. And I don't know about paying all that money just for no ads when I watch YouTube videos. Right. Okay. And um, what I, I what I'm worried about, I don't want this to turn into like a Gold's like a Goldberg, like the Goldbergs type of comedy where it's like, okay, here's the episode where you know we we're gonna yell sweep the leg or something like that. You know, um, I, I don't want that kind of comedy. Do you guys want dark comedy in a way? Like, do you want to see, like, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm not saying it's going to be like, if you've ever seen the movie The Foot Fist Way with, uh, what's his name from, uh, Eastbound and Down, um, that actor. Um, I, I don't want it to be that dark, that kind of like a dark karate movie, but I don't want it, I want it to be more adult, you know? I, I think F-bomb should be dropped and, and, I do want to see, like, I do want to see it a little bit darker. I don't want, like, this lighthearted ABC family fucking version of this Karate Kid revival. Like, let's, let's make these. Almost, I'm almost thinking of something, uh, not quite like the ranch, but something a, a bit of a similar tone. Yeah. Yeah. You know, where you, where you're getting a bit more adult language and yeah. adult themes, but I also don't want it to be super dark, you know? Yeah. I, and I'm not, yeah, I don't want it to go too dark like like foot the foot fist way which is a really dark comedy and i love that movie but like i don't want to see like daniel to the point where like he's like drinking and you know he's lost his wife and he's got nothing to live for and and you know really dark like that i think william zapka is going to be great in this though he was fantastic in the last two seasons of how i met your mother he was really good on that show so. Yeah, he will be really funny. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think this kind of would be funny if it was just a bit of a – if they did it cheeky sitcom style. No. Actually, that's what I thought it was going to be, and that's what I'm kind of looking forward to. Uh, I don't want it to be like a Goldbergs type of comedy at all. That that would turn me off to this. I do want <coughs> – excuse me. I need some water. Somebody talk. <coughs> oh, yeah. I Yeah, man, I don't know. I It would be cool if it would kind of be both, I think. Like I would like it to – be very cheeky and then maybe a little bit of the dark humor every well, now and again. I think that's what, that's what Harmon's saying when he brings up the ranch. Yeah. That's exactly what the ranch is. 
So, yeah. I don't know. They got to find that happy medium, I think. Yeah. And I know I want it to end on an upbeat note. And they, I mean, they have, there's some things that they have to do. Like, there's got to be a kind of like a Rocky getting back in shape training montage. That's got to be in the episodes. Like, I just don't want it to be, like you were saying, I don't want it to be that Goldberg's, like, super kind of. I don't know that fit super family friendly humor like that gets old. What is it? What is it yeah. though? Okay, here's the thing. Like, what is it? I mean, you're saying like you know getting back into shape and the, is the rivalry going to be like Daniel's son fighting William Zapka's son? In in you know, do they both go to the Cobra Kai or? And they're see, gonna... I, I want to. I mean, I like they said Johnny's going to open the Cobra Kai dojo back up. Uh, I forget the actor's name, but the guy who paid his uh, the the leader of the Cobra Kai, the main sensei, mm-hmm. he's still alive. So who knows if he could be have a have a role in there too? Oh, that would be you awesome! Know? I hope they could get him. Oh yeah, or if he's able I mean, to even yeah. perform at all. Right? I, I, you know, who knows? He Johnny was... still has his sensei, whereas mm. you know Daniel doesn't. He has to just rely on himself. I think that could be kind of a cool story. Yeah. It'll be interesting. It's just the whole fact of him, like, you know, Zapka making, having his own dojo, the, the Cobra Kai. I didn't know if they would, like, have competing dojos, like Daniel opens his. I don't know. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. What if they did, like, what if they reversed it and kind of made uh, Daniel the heel? Daniel the asshole? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I would love that. <laughs> well, who knows? Maybe Daniel did kind of become a dick. And then the Cobra Kai start to become successful, and he has to go through that hero's journey and, you know, get on the right path again. Yeah, I don't want to see him stay like a dick, but I I would like to see kind of maybe a flawed Daniel a little bit. That'd be kind of interesting. Yeah, I agree. There could be a lot of story there. Yeah. Um, All right, let's see here. Moving on. Sorry, guys. I've, I've been drinking a lot of water. My throat is really messed up right now. No, you're fine. It's going. It's going around. Uh, I think we're all fans. I don't know Harmon if you've seen it, but I, I know me and Jake. We were big fans of the uh, Alex Garland film Ex Machina when it came out a couple. Oh yeah, years that ago. was a great movie. Yeah, yeah, great movie, great cast. Alicia Vikander, who's going to be our new Tomb Raider. Um, Laura Croft, uh, Donald Gleason, uh, Oscar Isaac, uh, Alex Garland's second film Annihilation. It's getting a February 23rd, 2018 release date, and it sounds amazing. Here is the news according to Variety. Ex Machina's Oscar Isaac reunites with Garland to star alongside Natalie Portman. The sci-fi work tells the story of our of four female scientists who travel into a dangerous location known as Area X that is part of the world left abandoned from the rest of civilization. Previous explorers in this region have been met with mysterious illness, strange disappearances, and emotional trauma. Uh, it also stars Tessa Thompson, Jennifer Jason Lee, and Gina Rodriguez. Um, Garland adapted this picture from Jeff Vandermeer's novel. Annihilation is the first book in the planned Southern Reach novel trilogy by author Jeff Vandermeer. So we could possibly see sequels if this movie takes off. So... Um, that does sound really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, week a, after Black Panther, it's coming out, though. Wow. Yeah, yeah, but, I, you know, I, I know I'll be in the theaters to see it. Um, yeah, definitely. 
definitely. Yeah, it certainly I, sounds like an interesting concept. Yeah, I mean, we we've seen. Uh, I, I think if this kind of gets like that, you know, like uh, the Amy Adams movie Arrival, if it gets that kind of like treatment, if they if they kind of like peg it as like that next really cool science fiction film, um, and uh, if enough- I think it will be too, I because it'll be high sci-fi just with Alex Garland involved. It yeah. makes you think it would be. Yeah, and it's probably not got a huge budget, so hopefully this yeah. will bring some people to the theaters to see it. I, I, you know, and the cast is great. Tessa Thompson from Westworld. I mean, oh my God. Jennifer Jason Lee, who is like amazing in The Hateful Eight. Uh, and Gina Rodriguez. I mean, this has got a great Oscar Isaac, Natalie Portman. This has got a great cast. And I, I like the story sounds interesting. Like there's, there's mystery here. Like what is, what is up with this part of the world that's been abandoned? What's going on there? Like why have people been disappearing and, and mysterious? Why does it make them sick? <laughs> Yeah, that, exactly. That was really fascinating. And Garland is good at sticking the landings. And this, hopefully, you know, like this is a book series. Maybe he might stray a little bit, but uh, it'll be interesting. I, I, I really want to see this. I hope this does well. I love a great science fiction film. So, and and Garland does great science fiction stuff. I mean, what's crazy is that fucking Ex Machina was one of my favorite films of 2015, and this was this guy's first directorial debut like yeah it was amazing yeah and i mean literally like four characters in the movie five if you count like the helicopter pilot you know so uh, yeah, well, hopefully the sophomore movie that's the big one yeah you know? that's yeah. the one that makes or breaks you yeah that's true that's true oh real quick so we- <clears throat> uh the sequel for sicario it's being developed and and uh they got uh a new writer on this one Taylor Sheridan, who wrote Hell or High Water. That was the uh, Chris Pine, Ben Foster film that came out last year. I loved it. And uh, Taylor, Taylor Sheridan was talking to Collider, and he said, when I told the studio I would write the sequel, they asked for the traditional studio call on the outline and all that, and I said, no, 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 guys. The first one was original. I'm just going to go away, and I'm going to come back with it, and there you go. And they trusted me to do that. And then read it, and we're like, "Ah, shit, we're in a lot of trouble." It makes the <laughs> it makes the first one look like a comedy. Yeah, I'm not the guy to ask to write a sequel. So, the first one, I mean, there was uh, there was some dark shit going on in that movie. I mean, some really dark scenes in that movie. The John Bernthal scene. Uh, oh yeah, the dinner scene. The oh, dinner scene. I was going to get to that. The dinner scene is one of the darkest scenes I've seen in a movie in a long time. I mean. And for this guy to say uh, it's going to be even darker, I don't know how I feel about that. I'm excited to see it. The movie, I believe it's called Soldado. I'm excited to see it, but it doesn't have – I mean you got a new writer in here. I love Taylor Sheridan's work on Hell or High Water. I don't – have you seen that, Harmon? Oh, yeah. That was a great movie. Wasn't it? It's so is the, good. Is the whole cast coming back? Is it – uh, is we, it all the principal characters again? No. Um, uh, who is the uh, – Female actress from that Emily one. Blunt. Emily Blunt is not coming back. Oh, I'm excited. Emily Blunt is not coming back. So, um, and and uh, uh, Denny Villeneuve is not directing, and Roger Deakins is not coming back to do cinematography. So, but Benicio's coming back. Benicio's back. Yes, yes. Oh, well, hey, this sounds great. 
yeah so yeah it sounds like there's a lot of promise for this movie yeah yeah i'm looking forward to it um <laughs> whoo, uh yeah it sounds like benicio del toro is going to be able to have a lot of fun in this one if it's uh if it makes the first one look like a comedy so <laughs> yeah wow I, i'm down for it all right guys let's move on into some marvel news here's a bumper here we go Marvel news. All right, guys. San Diego Comic-Con. I know it's two fucking weeks ago, whatever. Uh, but uh, people there, they were able to watch Gifted, the Fox X-Men show that's coming out. Wow. That's, they, and, do we, and you know responses, too. I'm excited to hear this. Yeah. Uh, positive reviews. <laughs> Yay! Yeah. That's, yeah. that's an uplifting thing to hear. <laughs> yeah. In a, in, in a day and age where uh, the Inhumans is getting uh, reviews that are being pulled off the Internet for being caught, you know, Marvel's like, take them down. You guys are embargoed. Take them down. But these reviews, they're calling, they're calling, uh, Inhumans atrocious and horrible dialogue and all this other stuff. Uh, we're finding out that the one show that we were kind of worried about, I'm not saying I wasn't worried about Inhumans. Fuck yeah, I was worried about it. But we were worried about Gifted and, um, I'm hearing good things about it. The people that were treated to watch Gifted, that, uh, first episode, they, they came out of it saying it, 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 it's a very promising and very good show. So I'm looking forward to seeing the pilot episode of this. Yeah, me too. I've been excited for this concept for a while. Um, it's good to hear that they're doing well with it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely going to give it a chance now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, comic book. I, I got to cover this. This is kind of comic book related, but I got to cover it, Jake. Uh, I didn't know if you saw oh, you this. scare me with that intro. No, what do you mean? What intro? That the, you got to cover. It scares me what the topic's going to be when you intro it like that. No, I, I got to cover this because I don't know if you heard it or not. Uh, comic book writer Jonathan Hickman. When we've talked about this in the past, it is kind of movie related. Uh, oh yeah, I read this this week. I know yeah. what you're getting into. Yeah, Jonathan Hickman. He talked to Newsarama about why Marvel doesn't have a Fantastic Four comic book currently. He was uh, pretty blunt with his answer. He said, I think it's pretty common knowledge at this point that Marvel isn't publishing Fantastic Four because of their disagreement with Fox. While it bums me out, I completely understand because, well, it isn't like they're not acting out of cause. Fox needs to do a better job there. He, he also went on to say, uh, that kind of thinking runs contrary to everything I believe in as a professional storyteller. It comes from a place of manipulate. He's talking about not... I guess not uh, not writing stories anymore about them. Uh, it comes from a place mm-hmm. of manipulation where an attempt is made to make the reader desire something through denial. It's hacky. It's suboptimal. It's the central tenet of all shitty dating advice. If you want someone to care about a book, write a story they care about. Um, and this is hot off the heels of last month when Marvel Senior Vice President of Publishing, Tom Brevoort, said that they aren't publishing Fantastic Four comics because they don't sell. So. Yeah, yeah. well, we know Breaver. He's kind of a show like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, this is... It's interesting to hear Hickman lay it out as fact like this, but I don't think any of us thought this wasn't what was really happening, right? Sure, yeah. It just, it's, oh, uh, absolutely. It's nice. It's, I guess it's just nice to hear somebody come out and just say it, 
You know? Yeah, I feel I feel bad for Hickman. I when you hear him talk about it so passionately like this, you got to imagine that he probably had maybe some more fantastic four stories under his belt that he never got the opportunity oh, yeah. to tell. Hey, Beardy McBeardy, hey, pull away. I don't know what you need to do, but yeah, um, I, I I agree. I, I feel like, uh, and he he's totally gone at Marvel. He's not doing anything at Marvel now. He's yeah he. Right. What was the thing that he did? Secret War. That was kind of his swan song, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And he left. He left I, that. He left that on that. Yeah, I think not being tied up with Marvel gives him the freedom to kind of speak his mind about it. Yeah. Because no one who's currently employed by them is going to say outright that yeah, it's because they don't like what Fox is doing. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's one of. I don't know. It, it, he's you know he's doing East of West over at Image, and he's got he had another book. Uh, God's something with another publisher, but um, yeah, that was a, it was a weird <clears throat> publisher. God is dead. Yeah, God is dead. That's right. That's right. But uh, yeah, you know, Jonathan Hickman, great guy. I, I, Jake, I know you've met him. I met him at C two E two last year, and very nice guy. I, uh, I, I thought Rick Remender was going to be at C two E two, so I brought my. I have uh, skateboard decks uh, of uh, Deadly Class. And uh, Black Science that I was going to have Remender sign. So I'm carrying him around, and I find out he's not there. But I'm still carrying him around. I'm having Hickman sign my shit. And he goes, what are those? So I still, I showed him the skate decks. And uh, I go, oh, I was going to have Remender sign these, and he's not here. And Jonathan Hickman goes, that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I just died laughing. Uh, he's like, that motherfucker. You know, that's funny. Yeah. Was he scheduled to be there? Had yeah, he was. I, I guess he dropped out maybe a week or two before, and I, I didn't realize it. I, you know, it'd been a while since I'd gotten on the C two E two website, so I, I still brought like all my Remender stuff and my skate decks, and I was getting those, wanting to get those signed, and then find found out on the floor that he's not there. So, yeah, that's ridiculous. Hopefully, you got to bring the skate decks back to a car or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Um, <laughs> Haley Atwell, who plays uh, Peggy Carter in the MCU, stopped by Marvel Studios. So people are speculating that uh, she will be returning in an upcoming film. Uh, that film looks like it could be Captain Marvel because it's set in the 90s. And, of course, her character would still be alive. Or she could be returning to a flashback scene for Ant-Man and the Wasp, which uh, which started filming. So, And she's already yeah. been in a flashback scene back in the original Ant-Man film. So... My bet. I can even see yeah. her showing up in one of the Avengers movies. Honestly. Okay. You know? I mean, with all the Captain America and Time Stone stuff, she, they could easily pop her in there. Oh, I, I think that. Oh, I don't like that. I'm not saying I like it, but it could be done. Yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't like that. I, I, I think Captain Marvel makes sense. You know. Um, mm-hmm. You know. Uh, you know, maybe Brie Larson, you know, as Captain Marvel working at NASA and maybe, I don't know, maybe she's there for some reason. I don't know. As for S.H.I.E.L.D. or something. I don't know, but, uh. I would like to see her in the, uh, the next Ant-Man movie. I think that could be, uh, kind of a neat place to see her fall into. Another flashback scene. They did the flashback at the beginning of, of Ant-Man with her in there, so. Right, I think I yeah. think uh, they could definitely do like another flashback with her. Yeah, yeah. whether it's in Ant Man or whether it's who knows where we're going to see it, but 
I think a, a flashback scene would definitely be the way to go. Jake, it Jake. definitely seems like there's pretty good relations between her and the studio. So yeah. we'll, we'll see more stuff from her here and there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, MCUExchange.com had some uh, rumors about the uh, new Captain Marvel film. Most notably, if the film takes place in the 90s, then where has she been the past 20-plus years? Here's what they shared. So where's Carol been all this time? We are told that the comments by Marvel Studios physics consultant Dr. Spiros Michalakis about that is like the most Greek name ever. You know, <laughs> Michalakis? Michalakis, yeah. Spiros Michalakis. Like you could go to a Greek restaurant and you could order a Spiros Gyros with a side of Michalakis sauce or something, right? <laughs> hold, I, I always say hold the Michalakis. Oh, no. I always, extra Michalakis for me. I want them to pour some right on my Spiros and then have some extra on the side just in case I want to dip. You're gross. Oh, fuck you. You know, <laughs> you don't, you don't know how to eat Spiros, man. If you're, no, if you're telling me you're eating Spiros without the Michalakis sauce, that's, that's an abomination. Let's never approach this topic again. Oh, it's, it's, it's gross. I, it's making my stomach turn. Oh, come on. What is it? Is it too, is it too tangy for you? Are you one of those bitches? Oh, it's just gross. Just dipping it right in the Michalakis. Oh. <laughs> yeah, right in there. <laughs> it ruins the flavor of the Spiros. Like, it's it's no good. Uh, you know, oh, the two Jacobs. Oh, with me, all right. <laughs> then why, no, then why do they fucking, no, then why do they fucking sell the Spiros with the Michalakis? You always see those two together. It's not like they have them separately. It's always on the menu together. You got to ask for them to take it away. You guys are eating it all wrong. <laughs> you know, you can get Big Mac sauce place. with other things besides a Big Mac. Like, it's the same concept. Oh, yeah, because I always eat Michalakis sauce on a bologna sandwich, you stupid son of a bitch. <laughs> hey, it brings about the better flavors of the bologna. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like the sauce on anything. It's it's garbage. Oh, man. Uh, Marvel News has turned into fucking, like, uh, Iron, <laughs> Iron Chef or something. I don't know. Uh, That'd be fun. I'm going to need a drink. Uh, let's see here. Uh, yeah, Dr. Spiros Michalakis. He's the uh, Marvel Studios physics consultant that they brought in. <laughs> they brought this guy in on Ant-Man to talk about the quantum realm. They wanted to know some physics shit here. So, uh... Yeah, uh, he was uh, talking uh, to them about the quantum realm playing a major part in Captain Marvel, and uh, it looks like that's where they're saying she's been. Uh, she's uh, she's been there, and she set out the events of the Infinity War. So she's not going to be in Infinity War at all. She's been trapped in the quantum realm this entire time, which would explain like why she looks the way she does when we see her uh, in the Captain Marvel movie. Which is in the '90s, and then when we, when then when they catch up with her, she's going to look the same. So she's been trapped in the quantum realm. She probably hasn't been able to age in the quantum realm, right? Yeah, that's pretty cool. That makes me think we're for sure going to get Quasar if we're doing yeah. the quantum realm stuff. Is she trapped in the quantum realm, or is she just doing shit in the quantum realm? Uh, I bet it's probably a bit of both. Hmm. She probably yeah, that went would make there to do shit and knew by going there she would be trapped. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay, let, let, let me read the rest of this uh, rumor because there's more shit that goes along with it. Longtime members of the Carol Corps are going to love the way the story pays homage to her long history. We know the Cree will have a large presence in the film. 
And according to the source, the film will absolutely include the Kree hero, Marvel. It's well established in the Marvel Cinematic Universe mythology that the Kree have been to Earth before, so we aren't surprised to find out that Marvel might have been on Earth in the past to observe and report on the activities of humans, especially given that film's plot is expected to be driven by the long-standing Kree scroll war. I know that they're supposed to diverge a little bit from her origin story. This does not sound like it's diverging a whole lot. It sounds like, you know, it, it, it does sound like she, if they're introducing Marvel, it sounds like they're going to be together at one point in time. And that, uh, what is that? That It's that device that goes off when they're together. And then uh, she gets, she gains his powers and like, oh, you know, I know what that's called too. I forget. Oh, the site, cool the, that... the Cree Psych Magnetron. There you go. Yeah, the Psych Magnetron, the Psyche Magnetron, or whatever. Yeah. So she was knocked into it, and she gained the powers of Marvel, and you know he ends up dying, and she's like, you think they'll do Marvel dying of cancer? <sighs> I. I don't know. I don't know how far they're going to go into. I know they're going to go into the Cree, and we're going to get the Cree Scroll War eventually, and all that. I don't know how far they're going to dive into like his character and and the Cree in hope, general. I guess not too much. I right. want it to be her movie. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I think that he. I think that he will be a spy on Earth. You know. And I think yeah. like they, they they will want to destroy Earth. Are they going to go into that whole thing? It's like with a Cree, you've got the blue Cree, you've got the pink Cree. Are they going to go into the different Cree species? I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I, does and it they're get, introducing the scrolls too, so yeah. we've got all of that. Yeah, as a whole lot to kind of have in one go. Because like we've been introduced to the blue Cree in the in the film. The blue Cree are the powerful. Cree, as far as like you know, they're the ones in 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 uh, in power. They they're the ones with the wealth, and then you've got your pink Cree, which is like a, a hybrid Cree. And wasn't that the was the pink Cree the ones that they 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 breeded with other alien races, or was it humans? <laughs> oh man, that's a good question. There. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, this is a good opportunity to fix the Cree, most likely, yeah. I think, is what you're starting to prove. Yeah, I think it gets too convoluted when you try to introduce, like, the blue Cree, the pink, pink Cree. I think you just want to keep it kind of simple. Origin story where you're introducing Marvel and the fact that the Cree want to destroy the Earth. She inherits the powers and she's got to stop the Cree, right? Yeah, like yeah. he falls. But it's weird because he, I agree he, with you, but on the flip side, I do want the opposite for the scrolls. Like I want the regular scrolls and the power scrolls and the super yeah. scrolls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I don't know. Are, are they going to have like a? Are they going to do like a romance between him and Carol? Uh I don't know. I if they do, I almost prefer it just be that they're friends. You know that it's camaraderie you know i can't talk you know just that they're working buddies yeah i think you're right. i think that he he should develop feelings for her but like when he's a spy there on earth you know he 
he starts to gain friendships with the people that he's working with, working with her. And maybe it doesn't have to be like a romance, but like a strong bond, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I prefer that over a, a romance story myself. <laughs> Especially because I don't really want Marvel to be that much of a focus, you know? Yeah. Almost like he should be not in the story by the end of the first act. Are, yeah, well, are we getting a little too... Uh, I wouldn't mind him being in it. Yeah, she's got to gain his powers. He's got to die. I, I wouldn't. <laughs> I don't want him. I don't want there to be a romance because, like, you know, then then people are going to be carry, comparing Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel, to Wonder Woman, the movie. You know? Yeah, exactly. Which and I don't want her to be on a revenge like riff. Yeah, because of yeah. Marvel dying because right. she's in love with them. It made right. sense for Wonder Woman because that's like the that's the comic book character's origins. I mean, Steve Trevor lands on the island. She saves him. They fall in love. That he dies. It's, yeah, it's a classic fun trope. Right. It's like because it's the first man basically she's ever seen. Yeah, yeah. I, it's you, the classic fairy tale fun trope that's being done there. Yeah, and, and, I mean it's it's from the comics too. That's like the original origin. I mean, you know. So I, I the, as far as this goes, I, I think that uh, Marvel has taken liberties with characters, and you know, like. James Gunn, we've seen him do it with the Guardians of the Galaxy, and I think that's exactly what they should do here. So, yeah, exactly. I mean, even this week, um, I don't know if you report on reporting on it, but uh, James Gunn said a lot of a lot of stuff about why he changed uh, Quill's father in interviews this week that I thought was really interesting. Yeah, and it basically yeah. basically speaks to what you're saying that it just he didn't want to do that classic trope. You know, he didn't want to do the oh, my father I've never met is the king of this galaxy thing that everyone's seen. You know, if he was going to do something, he wanted to do something different. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, well, he's doing something different with Adam Warlock, too. Marvel's doing something different with Adam Warlock. We're going to talk about that here in a second. But, oh, yeah, uh, this article, this uh, rumor does talk about uh, they, they expect to see a version of the Psyche Magnetron accident from the comics. And that accident will be responsible for altering her DNA and giving her powers. Furthermore, we are told that her unique half-Cree, half-human DNA will be used to explain why she hasn't appeared to age since her disappearance. Meaning they won't need to age or de-age Brie Larson. Um, that's, that's, that's interesting. So it's not, has nothing to do with the quantum realm. Um, but that's where she's been. She's been doing shit in the quantum realm for the past. You know, like 20 years or whatever the fuck. So That's interesting. Even though we kind of know that, there's still a lot of mystery there. Yeah. Additionally, and in somewhat of a surprising move, the earliest drafts of the script include references to her functioning as Ms. Marvel and that there will be a version of her early Ms. Marvel costume seen on screen. Oh, that's that would awesome. be cool. Yeah, so one of my favorite things about Carol is her little bit of an identity crisis with all the different monikers she's gone by. Yeah, she didn't want to be Captain Marvel at first. You know, no, no. she's been all kinds of stuff, right? Yeah. War, Warbird, yeah. Ms. Marvel. Yeah, what's the what's the cosmic one? I'm dr- binary. Yeah, yeah. Are we gonna get Mohawk? Oh man, that'd be <laughs> cool too. Yeah, the Mohawk. Oh man. I don't know. I, it, we'll see. I, I'm excited. I, I love. I I'm really excited for Captain Marvel. I really am. I'm really pumped too. I love the idea of it being a period piece. I'm excited. Scrolls are one of my favorite stock Marvel villains. 
yeah. excited to see them getting put on the screen for the first time. Are they doing Kree Scroll? Are they doing Kree Scroll War within this movie? Um, I hope not, but I don't know. They could, I guess. It could if you're killing Marvel by the end of Act One. I yeah. think it could be feasibly done and be really cool. Where are we going? Where are we going after Infinity War? What's the next big event? Uh, well, they've made a big to-do about how Spider-Man's the first movie after, but you can't imagine that that's not really going to define the Marvel universe too much. No, right? I'm I'm guessing I'm guessing we're getting I, I'm guessing we're getting Secret Invasion. Oh, that would be awesome. I was kind of talking about that a couple episodes ago, or maybe even last episode. As soon as we introduced the scroll concept, to me, the first thing I think of is, so who's been the scroll the whole time? Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. I think that's, I think that's where we're, I think that's where they're going to go for, you know, phase, what would it be? Four, five? I mean. Yeah. So. I like it. I like it. The movies have the potential to make Secret Invasion cooler than the comic because the, the premise in the comic was strong, but the execution was kind of a dud. Did you see this week where James Gunn uh, spoke with Cinema Blend about how he had to fight Marvel to tease Adam Warlock in the post-credit scene for Guardians of the yeah. Galaxy Volume Two? Yeah, God, I love James Gunn. He's so candid about all this stuff. Yeah, he makes it so Marvel can't hide a little bit on some of this stuff. Uh, he said, uh, "I had to fight for Adam in the post-credit sequence because I really thought that's where that should go." And I thought one of the main reasons to have the Sovereign in the movie was to give audiences the hint that Adam Warlock is coming. That was one of the reasons for them to exist, and I wrote that post credit sequence in the first draft of the script. And then there were a lot of questions about whether or not we should put that in there because people were going to expect Adam Warlock in Infinity War, which I kind of did. Uh, I'm fine now. I've gotten it over. I've gotten over it. Okay, I've gotten over it. I have. I have. I've I've moved past it. Anyway, he goes on to say, so one of the things I promised, which I do all the time on Twitter, is letting everyone know that Adam Warlock is not going to be in Avengers 3 or Avengers 4. It's just not going to happen because I didn't want people to have false expectations of what they thought was going to happen with Adam. So Hmm. That's cool. Well, I'm glad we know. It is nice. That's something that we were going to pontificate about a lot is where Adam Warlock was going to fit into all this, yeah. especially with the part that he plays in Infinity War, like that iconic moment of him being the one that kind of yoinks the glove off of Thanos in the end. Yeah, it's it's just one of those things where like, uh, you know, I'm waving the white flag of surrender, you know, like I've given up. It's not going to happen. So it's like, why, why uh, throw a tantrum in the middle of the department store? Mommy's not going to buy me that new toy. You know what I mean? So I just, yeah, I, right. <laughs> I've, yeah, I've kind of given up on it. And I'm just like, you know what? In James Gunn, I trust. I'll see what James Gunn does with the character in part three. I just don't want it to be so predictable. Like, okay, uh, the Sovereign want revenge on the Guardians and – uh, Adam Warlock is their ultimate weapon, and here's your movie. I want, I know yeah, that's probably the premise of it, but like, I want, you know, just do something really cool with this one, James. I don't know. I don't, I think he does a good job of mixing up the tropes. So I, I agree. And James Gunn, I trust. I, yeah. I think he'll do something really cool here with Adam Warlock. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of potential for part three. And I mean, Adam Warlock. He's such a neat character, and I'm, I'm I trust Gunn. Whatever he's going to do, I know it's going to be awesome. Uh, you know, Gunn has been teasing. Uh, Gunn has really been gun ho. 
<laughs> pardon my pardon my gun pun. Uh, but <laughs> I am on I am on fire. Jeez. <laughs> anyway, uh, no, I'm I'm disgusted at myself right now for the things coming out of my mouth. Sorry, because um, I'm playing them back in my head, and I'm like, you sound like a fucking idiot. Who the fu- who the fuck do you think you are, Brian? Knock it off. Um, he, uh, what was I going to, now, now I forgot the fu- perfectly <laughs> good point I was going to fucking make. No, he teased recently, he showed, um, on, uh, what was it, Twitter, a picture of, a like a Quasar, was it a Quasar VCR or something? It was like a Betamax player or something yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Had the old. That was cool. Yeah, and so he's, 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 he's teasing more characters from this cosmic universe, and, and it sounds like Quasar is one of them, like. I got into Quasar with that was it the early nineties run when you remember that one, Jake? You got him on the I front cover. I got into it when they had Operation Galactic Storm. Okay. Which was when the Kree were at war with the Shi'ar. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. And yeah. um that's when I first got into Quasar and I loved it. It was really my introduction into the character and I actually went back and got all the back issues of his ongoing series that, and read see, them all. I started there because like it was like, Oh, it's a number one. Oh, it's a Marvel character. Oh my god, it's a cosmic character and so I started there and um that's when I got into the character, but yeah, I mean yeah, they, they got me on the massive crossover because I was reading just Avengers and uh Captain America, and then it was like, oh, now you're going to buy every Avengers title because we're going to number every one of these. Right, yeah. So, I... I Ga- J- James Gunn has been teasing this. He's also been teasing him and... about him and Feige. He, t- he talked with uh, THR and he's... and, and uh, this is from that article. Just months after the release of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2... Writer-director James Gunn is hard at work penning Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 while also helping Marvel Studios head Kevin Feige plot out the future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe's cosmic properties. So the future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe's cosmic properties. Okay, so we know we're not going to be able to get Silver Surfer. We're not getting Galactus. We're not getting that side of it. But I mean – Guys, we still could get like you know Beta Ray Bill. We still could get Nova, a Nova film. Oh yeah, I think that's a definite. Yeah, that seems like a shoe in. Oh yeah. yeah, for sure. With the success of Spider Man and Tom Holland, I definitely could see this happening. Two young stars, right? Yeah, I I can't imagine the Nova thing not happening. They're gonna they're gonna eat that up. They're at least gonna try. Yeah. Like I, 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 you know, uh, Mark Wade had a had a recent run of an Avengers title um, that I really enjoyed because it was just fun, and I, I love Mark Wade. And it was the team was young Avengers. It was you had Miles Morales, you had Nova, you had Ms. Marvel, and I loved the interactions between Ms. Marvel and Nova, and so. And them on this team, it was just a lot of fun. So I could definitely see like them not going with like Richard Ryder and going with uh, um, what's the kid? I can't remember his name. Sam. Sam. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember his last name. Yeah, Sam. I could see them going with like the younger Nova, and because of the popularity of like our Tom Holland Spider Man, they just have to find the right casting, but. 
like, what other cosmic stuff are they going to do? Like, are we going to get a, a solo Quasar film, or is he going to be more of, like, our, you know... And, and by plotting out... I want to see Darkhawk. Oh, Darkhawk. Yeah. <laughs> that could be cool. <laughs> and, I thought... Um, Abbott and Lanning really did a good job of making Darkhawk a uh, cosmic character and their yeah. big run that they did with all these characters. Yeah, they they their Guardians run is just amazing. I mean, it, it was everything. Those two yeah. were really at the head of the whole thing. Like there there was a moment there where they were the ones writing Nova, they were writing Guardians, they were writing all the events. Yeah. That whole run where they were in charge of the whole Marvel Cosmic side was just glorious times for Marvel Cosmic comics. It's just interesting to hear that, you know, James and Feige are working on the future of Marvel Cinematic Universe's cosmic properties. Does that mean we're talking about solo films or they're just plugging in cosmic characters into other films, like within, like, you know, future Captain Marvel films, within future Guardians films or – no, I think there's <laughs> big money to be made in carving out a separate realm within this universe because mm-hmm. – I mean, that's the formula. You carve out these separate realms, and then you bring them together, and then everything's exciting again. Yeah, and Jam- the more you can repeat that yeah. formula, you're good. And James Gunn has kind of gone on to say, like, in Infinity Wars, like, you know, I, I, did he – has he come out and said I, – I wish I could – I wish I had the quote, but he says the Guardians aren't going to – like, I know most of the movie takes place on Earth, but – the Guardians don't spend that much time on Earth. Like, Peter doesn't – it reminds him of his mother and he doesn't want to go back there. So, like, are we going to get Guardians on Earth or is that going to be more of, like, are they going to be part of the, the, the cosmic battle, maybe, like, the third act or something? I don't think we'll see him on Earth at all, honestly. I don't think it's going to be, like, we're going to have the Avengers Tower meeting with every character in the Avengers Tower together. I mean, maybe we will, but uh, yeah, I, I really I, don't see that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I – all I'm, I'm basing this off of. I wish I had the fucking quote written down from James Gunn. He, he, he basically pause if you want. No, it's yeah. fine. I, it'll take me a while to follow find it. But the, the gist of it was is that Earth reminds Peter of his mother, and that's why he doesn't want to go there. So it sounds. I've, I've read that quote too. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that before as well. Yeah. So. Here's what Gun here's here's Gun's quotes. He said those scripts are already in the work in the works. Kevin and I talk about it all the time. We just had a meeting today discussing what is next, what is the next iteration of cosmic characters and where are the characters that we've already created going to go in the next batch of films. So yeah, uh you know, these are uh mystery projects that they're that uh, that are going to happen after like volume 3. And uh, they said not much is known about Marvel's plans beyond 2019's Untitled Adventures 4, but Feige has indicated that the film will be the culmination of the MCU to date, and things will look different afterwards. Um, and only Spider-Man Homecoming sequel and the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 are officially greenlit following Avengers 4. So, uh, but... I kind of like the air of mystique that we have going on right now. I mean, we've had everything mapped out for us for so long, and we've been able to kind of connect the dots real easily for, you know, a good portion of the last two to three years with all the announcements. And I, I kind of like that we're a little bit in the dark real soon here about what's going on. I think the property has enough faith in itself 
that it doesn't need to post advertise as much as it used to now in this era. I know, so. like, uh, to kind of go along with that, I remember seeing, like, from the, the big Comic-Cons, they would always have the big layout of, okay, this movie this year, this movie next year. And I agree with you that it's nice to not really know too much of what's beyond. There's just so much potential and so many different routes that they could go. Yeah, it feels like we were so far ahead of the game. Like you see those memes where they show like, here's all the comic book movies coming out for Marvel in the next five years. Like we're, we're like getting to the end of that. And it's it's very exciting to see what's going to happen. Can I can I blow your minds here real quick? Yeah. Ant-Man 3. <laughs> all right. <laughs> it, it, it didn't work. <laughs> I mean, really, we're going to keep Peyton Reed around. He's going to be willing to do another third one of these. Oh, yeah. If he, if he, if he leaves, I'm not watching. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, he's a, <laughs> a fucking visionary. Peyton yeah. Reed. I, if, I'm list, if I'm ranking Marvel directors, I, it's James Gunn 1, Reed 2. Yeah. Jeez. You know, ah, ridiculous. You know, like, no, that, that, that Peyton Reed, that Peyton Reed, uh, signing, you know, you lose Edgar Wright, you know, like one of the best directors out there, in my opinion. This is like the equivalent of, uh, wanting to put on a charity basketball game and, uh, hiring a guy whose name is Michael Jordan, but is not Michael Jordan. It just doesn't work, you know? Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's, they did not look for another visionary. They were no. just like, get the guy that can get this thing done. We this spent is, so much money pre-production. Yeah, this is like, like Peyton Reed is just like one of these uh, laboratory, laboratory yeah. created directors. You know, like they, they yes, master. <laughs> uh, so, do you, uh, do you want him to be compliant? Yes, yes. Uh, do you want him to obey? Yes. Do you want him to? Do you want him to have his own? Uh, free will? No, no, no. It's like, it's like Robocop. He's got like prime directives. Yeah. <laughs> Peyton reads prime directives. Always order. Never disobey Kevin Feige. <laughs> That's oh, where, man. oh man, and then something happens where he, Kevin Feige's telling him something that he morally doesn't agree with, but he's forced uh, to do it anyway. Oh man, at the end of the night, like Kevin Feige, like, uh, takes him into, uh, into his bedroom and, Peyton, Peyton Reed, he, uh, he, he, he walks into the closet and turns around and Kevin Feige says, you did a good job today, pats him on the back and then powers him down. And then, <laughs> and then he charges him up until the next day and then he gets right back to work. Yeah. All right, yeah, Elizabeth Olsen, she plays Scarlet Witch, and Jeremy Renner, our Hawkeye, they were on Late Night with Stephen Colbert, and uh, Elizabeth Olsen was talking about how she wasn't given a full script for filming. Uh, here's her quote. This time they actually decided not to give us scripts. They gave me my pages, and then they explained other things that are happening. I'll be so shocked and surprised. I'll be like, oh, I see. That's That was what was happening to the world at that time. So my question to you guys is like, do you think that they like kept Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans in the dark? Like, do you think Robert Downey Jr. was only given sides for this movie? Uh, I think there's levels of uh, 
the people that get a no and don't get a no. I got a feeling that a few of the principals were were in a lot more no than Elizabeth Olsen, you know? Academy Award winner Jeremy Renner gets sides. Yeah. I don't think I don't think Renner was in the no either. I mean, it's, it's Hawkeye. You don't need to tell Hawkeye the goods. No. Iron Man's going to know. Cap's going to know. The rest, they're, they're almost B characters compared to them, you know? Agreed. I'm talking about the actors, guys. I'm talking about, like, you know, like, what actors are, are they going to let know? Who, who's got enough fucking, uh... <sighs> Whatever power. they got to do to keep the secrets. Yeah. Exactly. I, oh, shit. I, I'm surprised they even gave Tom Holland his own lines. Jesus, that kid can't shut up. Christ. <laughs> Gosh, that kid's like... I think, like, a reporter's wet dream would be, like, to be in the same room when this kid's talking in his sleep, giving out secrets. This kid's always yapping. He will, he will not shut the fuck up. I don't. Between, God, you sound like Anthony Mackie. I was just gonna say it was like I don't know if it was a race between him and Anthony Mackie. I, Holland might win. That kid mouths off a lot more, gives out a lot more information than Mackie. So those two actually are kind of at a like a little prank war with each other. If yeah, you haven't seen any of that, I've seen it. Yeah, I'm it's not, ridiculous. Yeah, I'm not interested in it at all. So. Nope. That will nope. be the last we'll be reporting on that. Uh, <laughs> let's see. I got I got a few more Marvel stu- uh, Marvel stories, and we'll wrap uh, this uh, section. This is running long. This episode, Ant Man and the Wasp has started filming, and it has an official synopsis. In the aftermath of Captain America's Civil War, Scott Lang grapples with the consequences of his choices as being both a superhero and a father. <laughs> <laughs> I would. I want to say that like one of those like uh, old like nineteen eighties, you know, like comedies. Like you know, Scott Lang grapples with the consequences of his choices as being both a superhero and a father. You know, and then like we see- <laughs> wow, lots of life lessons to be had there uh, for sure. As he struggles to rebalance his home life with his responsibilities as Ant Man, he's confronted by Hope Van Dyne and Dr. Hank Pym with an urgent new mission. Scott must once again put on the suit and learn to fight alongside the Wasp as the team works together to uncover secrets from their past. That sounds... Whew! Gave away a lot there. Yeah. It's not you, Scott. It's your kids. <laughs> yeah. It sounded- oh, God. <laughs> They're assholes. Uh yeah. Uh yeah, anyway, uh yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer, she's gonna be in this one. She's Janet Van Dyne, she's been trapped in the quantum realm for a long time. We got Lawrence Fishburne playing Goliath in the film. And uh I, I, I didn't mention this, but I, I think that's kinda weird because he's Perry White in the DCEU, you know? So That is weird. Yeah. yeah. But whatever. I'm fine with it. Eh, fuck it, right? Yeah. I don't I don't know. I'm excited for this one. I hope that we get to see Janet in her her old school, like, what, 1960s costume when they yank her out of the microverse? I hope we get to see at least six Janet costumes because that's the thing I always think about when I think about Wasp is she was always designing new costumes. It was, like, different every issue. I just think – I just hope we get to see Peyton Reed make more magic. That's all I'm saying. Oh, geez. For sure. <laughs> Don't worry about the in- inevitable. Oh, man. This guy, I'm telling you. He is uh, one talented motherfucker. What do you think about um, Ant Man? Uh, what what would you oh, rate I that? You were, I thought you were going to ask about Bring It On. <laughs> no. Uh, uh, what what do you think about Ant Man Harmon? What'd you rate it? What would you rate it? I had a lot of fun with that movie. I I don't know. I gave it like a high taste. It. Uh, it was just a fun heist movie. 
And I, I'm really excited to see, you know, what Ant-Man 2 has to offer. I think the Wasp is a neat character. I like Ant-Man's power set. And there's a, there's a whole lot of potential there. I want you right now to, uh, just, just hit end on this call. And I want you to go out and see Baby Driver right now and come back. I'll be here. And then, <laughs> and then I want, I want to, I want to hear you say, fuck you, Marvel. Oh my God. Why did not, why did Edgar Wright not direct Ant-Man? Cause it, it, like, I think it legit pissed me and Jake off after, especially after watching Baby Driver to not see fucking Edgar Wright's vision for that film. Cause yeah. I, I think that Ant-Man is the, one of the safest Marvel movies I've ever seen that, that took no risks. And like I told everybody in a previous episode, it is the McDonald's of Marvel movies. It, is, it didn't even, it didn't even let Paul Rudd be Paul Rudd, which to me was like almost its biggest sin. He, he was better in 10 minutes of Civil War than he was in the entire film of Ant-Man. Yeah, it's like someone scared him or something. He felt really neutered in that movie. And if John, pa- if what's his name? John Pena? What's yeah. his name? Uh, if, yeah. Something sounds wrong there. Something Michael Pena. Pena. Yeah. Michael Pena. If Michael Pena had a- any more lines in that film, I would have fucking blown my brains out. Yeah, oh, he was for sure the worst character. Oh my god, so <laughs> that fucking character annoying. in a lot of these Marvel movies really annoys me. Like that's he's basically the same character as Cat uh, Dealey in the Thor movies. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah could, they could they could literally just swap out swap each other out in in either <laughs> film, and I wouldn't know the difference. You wouldn't even notice. <laughs> no, I, I think it. I think it'd be like like in the second act, I'd be like. What? a second <laughs> something's <laughs> off here <laughs> you know what i mean though it's it's like the comic relief buddy person it's like okay okay didn't that, that character have a gap tooth and big tits in the last movie what the <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah it's really it's like because michael pena was being so ridiculous paul rudd couldn't be paul rudd yeah oh yeah yeah yeah, let's. Oh yeah, we need. We definitely need somebody to outshine the comedy of Paul Rudd in this film. You know, we're yeah, worried. Exactly. Uh, we need some comic relief next to Paul Rudd. Yeah, yeah, we're worried about Paul Rudd in this one. Like right. it, it worked in it worked in Deadpool. Like you know, T.J. Miller worked really well off of Ryan Reynolds, but like they used him sparingly. I felt like Michael Pena was popping up all over this fucking Ant Man shit. Yeah, ugh, it was ridiculous. Uh, there was way too much Pena in that movie. <laughs> too much back it up. Hashtag too much Pena. <laughs> back back it up with the Pena. Oh uh, God, you back it, it up. you. I would be hard pressed to watch a Michael Pena solo film. I just uh, I don't know if I could do it. After Set Ant-Man. in the MCU. Oh, oh God, no. Or just uh, any movie that he, he was headlining. Any movie at this point. Any movie. Wow, it ruined it ruined him. It did. Yeah, I got I got I got Pena'd. He's a he's a Pena in my ass. <laughs> All right, uh, that was hard to laugh at. Yeah, I know. It's, that was a little rough. These puns are getting worse. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, Rob Liefeld talked about Deadpool two with ComicBook.com, specifically the uh, Brolin and uh, Cable Deadpool relationship. He said he's such a great actor. That's where it starts and gravitas. And who else is really going to hold their ground with Ryan as Wade Deadpool? That is energy unbridled. And so you've got to hold your ground. When I see the two of them, I'm like, it's, it's going to be 
comic books equivalent to Rush Hour. And I don't know if comic fans are ready for it. I think it's going to be great. Um, that The big takeaway there is he's comparing it to uh, Rush Hour. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I loved I loved Rush Hour and Rush Hour 2. I thought those two were really fun films. Oh, those yeah, are great too. movies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, big fan. The chemistry between Tucker and Chan was undeniable, and they made that a lot of fun. Even the third one, which is nowhere near as good, still isn't completely irredeemable. Yeah, I didn't bring that one up. It was my least favorite. So. Oh, agreed. But it's it's no RoboCop 3. Yeah, yeah true. It's true. Uh, Ryan Reynolds, he spoke to uh, Fandango about Brolin his cable, and he sounds really excited. He says, uh, I think it's going to be very interesting. I spent this last week on the business end, and many of Josh Brolin's punches, both verbal and physical and literal, and it's going to be pretty fantastic. He's going to be epic. He's going to be an epic cable. So uh, he fully supports it. Uh, so I wanted to bring up that. I, I'm excited for Brolin as cable now it's, because of his excitement for the character. I said this last week, but... I am. I'm. I'm excited to see him as 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 Cable. Yeah, I agree. Anything Leefield says, though, is just like whatever, right? Well, He's sure. Show the shit out of this. They let him do commentary for the last movie, for Christ's sake. I, like, I, I read that because I, I get it, Jake. I, I read that though because he's one of the few people that's been able to see the chemistry between between the characters, um, and, and just the, the fact that he compared it to Rush Hour. I kind of like maybe that can give us. Oh kinda no, like, no, it's it's good reporting. I wasn't trying to disparage your reporting. Yeah, but it's, no, it's I, obviously a biased opinion coming from Rob Lee. Sure, if Deadpool does yeah. good, if Deadpool does well, he does well. I, I totally get that. I thought the big takeaway, though, was comparing it to Rush Hour. And the first film was great. Like, if the first film was shit and they somehow miraculously made a second film and he's saying, ah, oh, this one's going to be great, then I'm like, fuck you, Liefeld. You know what the fuck you're talking about. But um, yeah, he, he got lucky here. Like, his his uh, his biased hype was actually backed up the first time, so he can go hog wild now. We got our first look at Domino this week. Uh, Zazzy Beats playing Domino. What do you guys think about this uh, Zazzy Beats Domino? Yeah, it looked cool. I like. Yeah, the, I thought it was neat. Yeah, I, I'm fine with the inverted Domino makeup. I, I think it looked cool. Yeah, so, uh, with the with the I'm. I don't know. It's it's different. You know, I'm. Uh, I'll give it a taste. It. I mean, I'm not blown away. Uh, I think once I watch the movie, if the performance is there, then I'll totally change my mind and be like, "Wow, this is amazing." But yeah, I'm. I'm more accustomed to the, uh, to you know, the the really albino skin with the with the black eye. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm. I'm right there with you. I'm right there to taste it. It's not distractingly bad by any means. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. I don't want it on a poster yet. Yeah, but I complete. I completely agree. The actor can completely own this character, yeah. and by the end of it, you could just be in love with it. Yeah, see, see, I'm, right. I'm trying to make a point. Like it's, it's, you know, we're living in a world where uh, comic book fans are bitching constantly about uh, them not using the comic book suits. You know, and now we're seeing companies like Marvel saying, "Yeah, let's." Let's go all in on this. Let's let's do these Marvel suits. And hell, even in the Deadpool, his suit looked exactly like it does in the comic book. And then we saw a Negasonic Teenage Warhead. She's wearing the classic X-Men costume. So, like, this did surprise me a little bit. I think it has something to do with the actress. They saw something in her. And so they said, let's just do something a little bit different that, you know. And so I'm hoping for the best. It's just 
Yeah, as far as like aesthetically, is it what I want from the character? No, but we'll see what the actress can do with her. So, yeah, I think you're probably right. Yeah, best case scenario, the actress even worked with the costume designer herself to kind of make something that she was in tone with. Yeah, because you know we definitely want actresses to be able to choose what they wear in the movies. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, in certain scenarios, that kind of thing works, though. No, no. I, mean, I think I think uh, Sharon in the costume department should just step the fuck aside and let Zazzy do her thing, right? No, I think I, I think there's a little bit of a handshake element going on there. I think if you know your character and are into your character and know who that person is supposed to be, then you would have ideas on how you would dress. I'm not saying they designed the costume, but I'm sure there's definitely input sometimes in certain ah, cases. Be like, uh, you, uh, hey, uh, you want to be Domino? Then fucking put this on and shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Zazzy. I did like the way they kind of revealed it where uh, they had her laying in front of the fireplace in the same pose that Deadpool was. Yeah, yeah. I, know, I thought that was kind of a neat way to unveil her character. Yeah, that was cool. That was cool. But it would have been cooler if it, if yeah, she would have looked like Domino. <laughs> right? Right? See, I, I guess I'm lucky because uh, I'm, I'm not familiar with comic book Domino, really. So this for me, this is my Domino. Yeah, it could have been a Domino's delivery driver if Harmon wouldn't have given a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was the Noid laying yeah. in front of the fireplace. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah. I'll come aware of that. <laughs> All right. Uh, we talked about that Dr. Doom solo film being developed. But guys, I'm not bitching about the, the Domino stuff. We'll see how she is in the movie, and then we'll go from there. But uh, it's – I mean, we're living in a world where we've been uh, bitching about, like, characters not looking like they do in the comics. And uh, we've got a lot of that here. She doesn't, you know? So we'll see how it goes. I uh, hope Hopefully she's great. And uh, we'll go from there. Anyway, we talked about that Doctor Doom solo film being developed by Noah Hawley for Fox. And uh, and it looks like an actor has already been, uh, expressed his interest in the role while talking to Screen Geek at London Film and Comic-Con. Mads Mikkelsen from Hannibal and Rogue One says he would be interested in the role. Uh, even though he played Casilius uh, in the uh, MCU Doctor Strange film he'd be he'd be up for playing another Marvel villain for Fox he'd, he'd be up for playing uh, Doctor Doom uh, i don't know about you guys but this sounds like perfect casting to me yeah i chopper this actually. yeah i think it's awesome casting yeah this, this is fantastic i could totally see this so yeah hopefully this is a uh, a good match hopefully this can happen yeah so we'll see i just wanted to report that uh, real quick, Jessica Chastain uh, from The Martian, The Help, Interstellar, a bunch of great movies. She's been cast in uh, X-Men Dark Phoenix. There's no confirmation on who she's playing, but the rumors are that she's going to be playing Lilandra Naramani in the film, who is the empress of uh, the Shi'ar alien empire in the comics. Uh, it's been previously reported that the Naramani will be on a mission to imprison and destroy Jean Grey as the Dark Phoenix throughout the course of the movie. Um, so this is a, an alien race. We're going to go a little bit cosmic here with um, uh, X-Men Dark Phoenix. It's a powerful race of aliens. They're, they're humanoid-looking aliens, and like some of them look mammalian, like mammals, and some of them look like birds, and you know they've got some wings attached to their arms, and 
they look yeah they look kind of like the uh, silver hawks from the 80s. yeah exactly exactly <laughs> so i i would guess that in this movie you've got the dark phoenix fucking some shit up and xavier like sends out a psychic signal which is intercepted by lilandra and she comes to help stop dark phoenix yeah, and they'll take. I predict a cool, a cool actress being covered up with so much garbage that you don't even know it's her. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not gonna argue with you there. So, that's, no. Wow, I, I, is Simon Kinberg directing this one, right? Oh gosh, this one's gonna be the worst. <laughs> Hey, at least we can be thankful that Simon Kinberg is finally going to put the nail in the coffin, right? Oh, man. If I was Josh Trank, I would be flameballing <laughs> Kinberg on Twitter after this movie came out. What the fuck is Trank up to these days? I guarantee that guy is like – he's like in a – I guarantee he's like in one of those like uh, uh, bunkers – like that they made back in the back in the sixties when we were all worried about the Cuban Missile Crisis and shit. <laughs> he found one. He's living in one. He's got like a fucking uh, like a six foot long ZZ Top beard, and he's like frantically writing shit. You know, I don't know. I don't know what. This I imagine doing. what he's writing is Fantastic Four two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. I'm gonna redeem myself with this one. Oh man. Ah. Oh. Anyway, that's all I got for Marvel News. Uh, we are going to take a break, and I'm going to... Harmon, are you going to stick around and finish DC News and Star Wars News? You're going to bounce. I think I might end up bouncing, because it's a little past 11 yeah, o'clock, so... Yeah, yeah, It's getting late on my end. Yeah, I wanted to check in with you before we took our break so you could say goodbye to everybody. Harmon, it's been so fun having you on this episode. Um, we really appreciate you doing this. Uh, where can uh, people get more Harmon again? Absolutely. Uh, if you guys want to check out my D&D Groups podcast, we are over on Podbean. It's uh, com. It's the Woodward Adventure, Woodward Homestead Adventuring Company.podbean.com. And uh, you guys can always find me on Facebook, Twitter, all the usual places. I'm always on there talking about geek shit. All right. Now, remember, when you get to the hallway that looks like there's nothing going on before you go there. Remember to repeat the words, only the penitent man shall pass. Only the penitent man shall pass. Right? Right? Exactly. You'll shit. find a bust, and uh, it's a bust of William Shakespeare, and you pull back the head, and there's a button pad. And uh, you have to enter the code 1919, and then that will deactivate the laser grid. Ah, okay. Yeah, there you go. It's easy. It's easy. Uh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> Harmon. Harmon, thank you. Yeah, and you can only do this on the nights where there is a full moon. Not a half moon, people. Full moon. It has to be a full moon. It has to be a full moon. Yeah, yeah. What about a blood moon? Uh, blood moon actually gives you our access to our members-only exclusive group with bonus content. Oh! <laughs> I like, man, you, you, you pulled that out real quick. <laughs> <laughs> I have my moment. I was impressed. I was like, wow. I was impressed, too. That was a genuine, whoa. Yeah, that was, no, I, I, I had to take a step back. Uh, wow. Yeah, Harmon on the spot with that one. I um, try. <laughs> yeah, thank All right, you. Harmon, give us more, one more mute button drum beat before you take off. Yeah, do that. <laughs> so, 
Sounds like King Kong beating his fucking chest over there. <laughs> oh, man, dropping a beat. I was getting ready to flow. Right? <laughs> 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 flow Master J? <laughs> oh, man. Right. Oh, it, it about hit me right there. I about couldn't stop myself. Oh, man, yeah. All right. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break, come back with DC News and Star Wars News. There's not a lot. Harmon, thank you again for joining us, man. Hey, it's always a pleasure. I love talking with you guys. All right, later. All right. Later, Harmon. Later, Beard. All right, later. All right, yeah, we're back and all that shit. Uh, yeah, always enjoy having Harmon on. Yeah, Harmon's fun. Like I was saying, a lot of times he's my substitute, so it's always nice when I get to join in with him. Absolutely, yeah, good times. Uh, we're going to be moving into uh, DC News. Last night, Batman destroyed my vagina. And now the leftovers are going to destroy DC News. It's time for DC News, you fucking pieces of shit. All right, Six Flags uh, announced a uh, Wonder Woman ride coming to, uh, I think it's coming to Six Flags over Texas, is what I heard. Mm, that's too bad. Yeah, I probably I, won't ever see the light of day on it then. Uh, yeah, hopefully it'll do well and they'll, they'll put one up, uh, you know, either... Uh, up in Chicago or down in St. Louis. But, uh, yeah, I've been to Six Flags over Texas, but that's been a long time. So, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I've always I've always wanted to go to a Six Flags that wasn't the St. Louis or Chicago one. Just, yeah. Just to do it. Oh, God. I, it's been over 20 years since I went to, to one of those. But I, I did go to Six Flags over Texas. So, what, um, what would be the closest one to us that oh, wasn't one of those two? I have, I have no clue. Yeah. I mean, you know, I... It might be closer to just go to like Cedar Point in Ohio than it would be to go to another Six Flags that's not St. Louis or Chicago. So that's your Kings Island always looks interesting to me too. Oh, I've been there. It's been a long time though. I was probably a teenager last time I went there. But yeah, she's getting her own. Uh, she's getting her own ride. Uh, the Golden Lasso ride is what they're calling it. Oh, that's cool. I was hoping they'd do the invisible jet so it could like look like you were on a roller coaster with no no seating or anything. Yeah. Interesting thing about this is though, uh, I heard that the uh the Superman ride it costs one million dollars more to make that ride than it did the <laughs> the one. <laughs> yeah. It's very interesting. I hear the lines are longer at the Wonder Woman ride too. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, was just, I was just trying to start some shit. Start some shit up, right? No, I, that was very funny. No, it's it's one of those things where, like, I, you know, when it was reported, like, you know, Henry Cavill makes 14 times more than uh, Gal Gadot, and it's not true. They made the same amount. They both made yeah. $300,000 off that first film. So, like, I get it. You know, women have had a rough time in Hollywood. I, I totally understand. I mean, we've seen, you know, unless, unless you're Meryl Streep or Glenn Close, we've seen them, like, you know, some of these uh, older actresses, they, we've seen them put them out the pasture. Like uh, Deborah Winger for like a decade didn't get any work and it was because she had gotten older. Like there was a documentary made, I think it was called like What Happened to Deborah Winger? And, you know, after the documentary came out, she got work again. But like she's a great actress. She shouldn't be, uh, you know, put out the pasture or whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, 
you know, it, but you know, I mean, fight fight your battles when they're real. I, I, you know, oh, for real. I mean, at the end of the day, Gal made more money than Cavill because of the deal she gets with the merchandising. Yeah. And, and, the extra money she gets from how much movie the movie made. Yeah, well, I, I mean, she's going to have more leverage when they re-up, you know? I mean, especially her and Patty Jenkins are going to have a lot of leverage within Warner Brothers now uh, when they re-up and sign their next contract. It's like sports. When you when you sign that rookie contract, you got to prove yourself, and then you can get, like, that, you know, max money deal. And I think it, it will be crazy uh, if in a few years she's not making more than Henry Cavill, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think she's I, I think eventually she might even get to the point where she could make more than Ben Affleck as Batman uh, in the DCEU. She might be that valuable if they continue to go down this road with the universe that they're building now. So, you know, on uh, back to the ride, I with it be, <laughs> if, if with it being called like the Golden Lasso, I think it'd be kind of cool if the ride made you tell the truth. <laughs> Whoa. Like, you know, a couple sits down and all of a sudden the girl just goes like, I blew Steve last summer. And then <laughs> the ride starts to zip around and shit. And, you know, the the guy has to deal with that shit, you know, on the ride, you know, until it's over. Yeah, there's no time to, no time to deal with it now. No. You're going no. Fucking do corkscrews and loop <laughs> You're going backwards through a zip-de-doo and, uh, yeah, you're thinking about her blowing Steve. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about it at the at the snack bar when we're done. <laughs> yeah, maybe the lines wouldn't be so long for that ride. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely no couples going solo on the uh, golden lasso ride. So yeah, the golden lasso ride. That's hilarious. Uh, looks uh, like yeah. Go ahead. Uh, what year is that coming out? Do you know? No, I didn't. I, uh, that's one thing I didn't check. So. Um, don't know. Hopefully, you know, a couple years or so. But uh, it looks like uh, the Flash Flashpoint film, uh, which we haven't talked about on this show, um, it's shaping up to get a 2020 release date. It could be the early 2020 slot, I think in February, or it could be the June slot. So I'm not sure. Uh, according to Forbes, it will feature another member of the Justice League. Uh, underpaid Gal Gadot is expected to, I'm gonna stop it with that. I'm gonna piss off so many female listeners saying that shit. Uh, don't worry, she's gonna make her money, people. If she doesn't make more than Cavill, I'll be pissed. I'll come on this show and I'll be fucking pissed. I'll be pissed. She should be making more than Cavill. I mean, if the two of them both need an ultimatum, they'd fire Cavill and give her the money. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know? Jeez. Yeah, Godot is expected to also reprise her role as Wonder Woman in the upcoming production of Flashpoint, which will be Flash's solo movie, but is also more of another superhero team-up featuring several additional DC superheroes. So my question to you, Jake, is I love the Jeff Johns Flashpoint story from the comics. I uh, love the cartoon. In uh, it, Barry never becomes the Flash. Uh, his mother isn't killed she's not murdered so he chooses another path other than getting into like the forensic science he never was struck by lightning lightning never becomes the flash so it, it alters the timeline and uh bruce this seems kind of crazy to me that this is what we're doing for i mean i i yeah this seems like movie two material oh yeah like, absolutely. How, how am i supposed to care about any of this if there's nothing even before it yeah, why are they jumping to this? Are, are, are they trying to reset everything? 
Are they trying to reset everything? Or by the end of this movie, is everything going to go back to normal? Or are they going to use this as a way to kind of change some things so that when he does go back, some things are different? You know, like, oh, shit. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, are we going to, are we going to get, are, what are we getting? Are we getting in Flashpoint? Are we going to get like Thomas Wayne? As Batman, are we getting like gun-toting Batman? You know, Bruce died, not Thomas. Most of me thinks that they're just using the name Flashpoint to reel in people like the comic fans and that it'll be very loosely based off of the comic, right? Yeah, but they haven't established enough mythology to get anywhere close to what the comic is like. Forbes is saying that Wonder Woman's going to be in this and she had a major role in Flashpoint. I mean – her battle with the Amazons at war with Aquaman and the Atlanteans, I mean, that played a part in this. Like, so are, are we going to get like a darker version of Wonder Woman in this? Are they going to let Gal Gadot kind of play with that character a little bit? And I'm not mm. going to say – I'm not saying that we're going to see Atlanteans in this because like after the Aquaman movie sucks, like they're not – they're going to want to keep Momoa as far away from this fucking movie as possible. So, yeah, there should be at war with another race. Yeah, exactly. You know, they'll they'll find something else for her to fight because they're they're going to be like they don't want trucker Aquaman fucking this shit up for him. So, <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I are they going to do what Marvel does and call it something and then make it completely different or or loosely different? Yeah, I think that is what's happening here. It has to be right. It would be such a clusterfuck if they tried to actually do it. Yeah. I don't know. Oh. Yeah. It's crazy. I do like the idea of seeing uh, an alternate version of Wonder Woman, though, where she's a villain in that alternate reality. And part of me wants to see Jeffrey Dean Morgan as uh, as, as Batman, old Batman with guns. I, part of me wants to see that, Jake. Yeah, that's not the worst thing ever. I mean, he was uh, he was Thomas Wayne when we watched Batman v Superman. He's hanging out with Maggie from The Walking Dead and shit, and they get shot in the alley. You know, (laughs) (laughs) I kind of want to see. I kind of want to see Negan with some guns and going around killing people. Yeah, with a cape and cowl. Yeah, yeah. I, I I loved that. I loved that. I thought that was so fun to see that. Yeah, Flashpoint was shockingly really fun. Yeah. Yeah, Flashpoint the movie is going to be interesting. Still don't have a director on this one. No, no. Maybe Peyton Reed's available. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get him. I think I think you should be involved. <laughs> oh shit. They'll just they'll just yeah, they'll just clone him. There'll be two. It's like <laughs> How is Ant-Man 3 and Flash point coming out at the same time this Peyton Reed he's a fucking he's an animal he's just working he's on a machine he's a machine literally <laughs> they got fucking like uh was it the weird science kids fucking with bras in their heads making Peyton Reed's in a fucking <laughs> suburban house I don't know weird. I like it. yeah yeah, that's all I got for DC news. There wasn't a lot of DC news this week. I mean, I, I the the actress that's gonna play Iris West, uh, she talked about how fun it is to be able to play this character and all that shit. But I, I don't want to. I will never complain about a lack of DC news. Yeah, I know. I almost didn't have any of this week except for the Flash stuff, and I was like, man, Jake is gonna love this week. 
<laughs> All I got for I mean, let's move in and move into Star Wars news. It's time for Star. And now I'm not playing the new bumper, you fucking dicks. Here's the old one. Yeah, here's old standby. Here's old faithful, you fucking assholes. The gods. What the Misa saying? You were supposed to be here with me, listening to Pop Culture Leftovers podcast. That's not true. That's impossible. Yeah. All right. Let's see here. Uh, we got a new uh, got a new writer for uh, Star Wars Episode Nine. Colin Trevorrow uh, was working with some other dude. They were kind of they did the script. Now it's getting a rewrite, um, and by uh, Jack Thorne. So I, uh, I mean, they're six months away from filming, and. Uh, I think I think Star Wars Episode Nine is still going to be in good shape. I'm not worried about this at all. Oh no, not Jack Thorne. He wrote the uh, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Oh really? Is it the, is it the same guy? Yeah, it's that guy. Oh no. Oh well, I, I, I'll reserve judgment. Was that book six? No, that was the extra book they did. Oh, the they extra book. That they adapted into the Broadway thing. Yeah, yeah. The play, the playwright. Yeah, because it was like uh, five was Order of the Phoenix. What was six? S- six was um, Half Blood Prince. Half Blood Prince. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jack Thorne's working on stuff. So you're freaking out now. You're freaking out. Yeah, I don't. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. I'm I'm already like running through his IMDb. Well, hey, what's he got on there? Uh, nothing too exciting. Maybe, I've hey. really ever even heard of one episode of Shameless. Uh, maybe they can get Akiva Goldsman to rewrite this bad boy. Oh, God. Maybe they can just do the entire next trilogy after episode nine by Akiva Goldsman in a 90-minute movie. I think that would be the way to go. I think after episode nine, they'll come out with another film called Star Wars Flashpoint. And they'll just re- <laughs> reset the universe. It will never have a director. <laughs> That's right. It says, it says on screen, it says director, uncredited. <laughs> yeah. Like this Directed was, itself. This was just a brain trust of different people putting this movie <laughs> together every day. Whoever wanted to show up and fucking, you know, direct this thing did. Yeah, you can, you can like bid on it. It's a Kickstarter. <laughs> I donated 50 bucks. I'm directing day four. In a galaxy far, far away, I donated 500 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, Jack Thorne. I don't know. It's six months out. Um, they got plenty of time to hopefully get the script right. I mean, wh- what are they doing? What are they changing with the script? Are they changing? I mean, did they put too much Leia stuff into the original one? I, I would have thought that they would have already fixed that. That's been That's been back in December, you know? Yeah, I don't know. Who knows what's going on here? I, it's unfortunate that we don't have another. Like, I'm not against Colin Trevorrow, but I don't really see him as kind of the writer director combo that we got with both JJ and um, Ryan Johnson. Uh, Ryan Johnson. Yeah, 
and that's that's unfortunate. I think that that really helps a lot with these kind of movies. I'm not got, gonna I'm not gonna count out Colin. Everybody, you know, oh the Jurassic World guy, like he did safety not guaranteed. He did a great job, but on the flip side, I do think as far as being a superior writer and director, you're definitely looking at Ryan Johnson and J.J. Abrams. Uh, Colin hasn't done a whole lot to prove himself, but I mean, I, I, it's just I, weird that they would. Yeah. Put, this is a lot. I mean, this is the the final act of a trilogy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So ooh, crazy. Yeah, I, I, I think I think Kennedy and uh, Lucasfilm are gonna. This is their, you know, these these saga films. This is, I mean, this is their this is their baby. They're not going to take risks on this like they do yeah. with these anthology films. Like you know, with, oh yeah, they, they take risk. They fired the guy that took risk. That's what I'm saying. I mean, like, yeah. Well, both anthology films have had problems. I mean, we, they had problems with Gareth Edwards on Rogue One. They had to bring in uh, what's his name. Um, Tony Gilroy to do the rewrites, and then we find out that he possibly had reshot anywhere from like what was it, like thirty to forty percent of the movie, um, <laughs> and 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 you know, and then of course the Phil Lord Chris Miller stuff that happened, where you know they 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 waited for these guys to to finish what was it, eighty five percent of the film. Screen Rant did a report on this. They waited for these guys to finish like eighty five percent of the film before they shit canned them. Because once they hit ninety, once they hit ninety, they, they 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 can give their own. They can have their own cut of the film. They they like through the, like the directors guild. Like they own a cut of the film. Like they have to give their cut of the film if they want if they choose to at that point. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So they like got him in right under the wire. They exactly. Knew what they yeah. Were doing. Yeah. Like they they were looking for another. I think I think what happened. I'm guessing is that they were looking for another director this whole time to kind of like plug it in. And then they worked out the deal with Ron Howard. Okay, we're at eighty-five percent. You're out of here, Phil Lord, Chris Miller. Um, I think yeah. they. I think they refused to leave too. Like they asked them if they would exit nicely and do kind of like a a Gareth Edwards and then bring in Ron Howard to finish everything. And they were like, "No, we're gonna we're staying on this fucking thing." And so then it had to become public. So yeah, exactly, yeah. 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 So, all right. Moving moving along from that, John Boyega talked with. Uh, this is the last thing I got, and then we're gonna wrap. John Boyega talked with Popcorn uh, with Peter Travers about Carrie Fisher in episode eight, and he said this: "This movie it sends her off in a very amazing, amazing way. She's still kept alive in this franchise. You know, that's the beauty of it. She lives forever in a sense. So." When he's talking about a send-off for Carrie and she lives on, he's basically saying, like, they're going to pull, like, a uh, kind of like a Paul Walker at the end of the Fast and Furious film where they kind of, he, like, kind of, like, drives off into the sunset, you know? And um, that sounds like exactly what they're going to do, like, here with the character. Uh, they're going to let her live on and they're not going to give her an on-screen death. Yeah, I like it. I'm fine with that. I love it. Um, I've had a, you know, I, I've... Uh, I I I, te- I I hear people saying like oh you know I, I you know I can't believe she's a, a abandoning you know the resistance I, I don't think that's necessarily the case I mean I think after this movie I think there's going to be some power shifts I mean uh, there's going to be a power struggle between Laura Dern's character and Poe Dameron 
Uh, we know that much. That's been part of the leaks that have come out. And I think that whatever takes her out of the battle in this, once she comes back, she's going to be more powerful and they're going to realize they need her to a greater capacity. I think they're going to take her far away to where she can still command but be safe. Uh, maybe, maybe it has something to do with like, they think maybe Kylo, I don't know. This is, this is a long shot, but you know, Kylo Ren killed Han. Let's get her the fuck out of here. He might try to kill mom next. Um, I don't think that's the case, but yeah. Cause then you can't build any further suspense after the fact. Right. So I think, probably wouldn't. Yeah. I think they're building something somewhere greater somewhere, you know, like, like the next Yavin four or, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. she needs to be there. She needs to be a part of it. So she's not going to be in the next story. She's going to be off somewhere doing bigger and better things for the resistance. So that's my take yeah. on it. People need to settle down. I mean, Yoda completely bitched out. and People still love him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't. Yeah. I, I just like that, you know, that the fact that uh, they're going to Paul Walker this because you know, unfortunately, Paul Walker left us way too soon, and I feel Carrie did too. I mean, Carrie, you know, was, you know, we wanted more time with her. It was too soon. It was too sudden, and um, you know, to deal with her dying again, even if it is the character, I, I, I am more prepared for this and excited to see them pay homage to the character this way than I am if they would have done like. You know, an off-screen death or something in 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 the actual film. Yeah, like seeing her shit blow up mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. The only thing that you know that that kind of bothers me is that we we might not get that Kylo Ren and Leia reunion. I, you know, if they do the re- Kylo Ren redemption story in this one, which I, I think is a possibility, they could do it because like it, it it's it kind of seems silly for me if they do a Kylo Ren redemption story to do it in the third film, just kind of like mere Vader. I think mm-hmm. it would I think it would make more sense to do a Kylo Ren redemption story in this one, where we kind of see Kylo Ren come back to the light side. Um, yeah, maybe he starts to see the cracks in Snoke's logic finally in this one. Right, and he see, he, he, well, I mean, and he remembers his father's words to him right before he killed him. And J.J. did come out and say that there was an emotional struggle within him. He did not know what to do in that moment. There was part of him that wanted to, you know, um, not not do what Snoke wanted and kill him. But but he ended up doing it anyway. He gave in to the dark side and he killed his father. So we also know from like the novelization that Snoke communicated with Ray during their battle and Snoke wanted Ray to kill Kylo. She actually hears in her head Snoke's voice say kill him. So could we see Kylo kind of like seeing that like 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 how how unimportant he is maybe to to Snoke, this guy that he's been trying to like, that's the fucked up thing about this character. Jake is like, he's a damaged character. He feels like he never, he like, 
you know, he never had a father. Like, you know, he, uh, he left with Luke. He was training with Luke. He wasn't with his family. Dad's off doing, you know, space cowboy bullshit, you know, hanging out with Chewbacca, <laughs> hanging out with, you know, with this furball. And, you know, mom's busy in the resistance and stuff like that. And so, like, you know, you got Kylo and he's looking for, like, another father figure and he finds this fucking deformed Quasimodo-looking sunken-in-face motherfucker who likes to wear Hugh Hefner robes that's like, hey, you know, I'm here for you. And then all of a sudden now he's finding out that this guy's trying to, you know, kind of entice Ray to come on over to the dark side now, too. He doesn't feel so special anymore. I had a hard time following that after I started thinking of an intergalactic Hugh Hefner. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I apologize. Oh my gosh, can you imagine some of the centerfolds for those al- those alien centerfolds, man? It's like uh, I want to see like the Star Wars version of the Grotto, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with like the crazy band playing and all the half naked alien weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just read it for the articles, Jake. I don't know what you're talking yeah. about. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Oh, man. But yeah, um, I don't know. It, I, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I, guys, I don't have spoilers for episode nine other than just like, you know, what we've heard about porgs and, you know, stuff like that. Stuff we've talked about. You know, the Favier's, those, that, 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 uh, horse that, you know, Finn rides, those Favier's and, you know, I, we know about some of the creatures, that little crystal wolf that we saw and stuff like yeah. that. So. We'll know more soon. Yeah. Hey, if you like porgs, are you think you're, hey, are you think you're going in, do you think you're going to like porgs? Oh, me? I love them already. Do you? Yeah, I love them. Oh, I saw man. that one concept art where the two of them were on top of R2-D2. Yeah. And I was like, all right, I'm sold. Jake, I guarantee you during this movie, you're going to have a porgasm. I guarantee you. <laughs> You are, so. you are gonna love porgs. You like, you like those little cute little like, you like, they look like a little Funko Pop. Like the Funko Pop is gonna look exactly like the porg in the film. There's gonna be no difference. And Star Wars has always, this is something Star Wars has always done well for me. I love all the, anything cutesy in Star Wars I love. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah. There we go. Yeah. I, I love Ewoks. I love Gungans. I love it all. Yeah. Oh man, I've had some bad puns this episode. Horrible. Puns. Yeah, you've been you've been on fire with the puns. Bad puns, like really? like, like a rashy fire. Yeah, like <laughs> like, like <laughs> kid. Oh, my new nickname is going to be like Punisher. <laughs> like I oh. I beat I I I defeat my enemies with <laughs> shitty puns. God, oh man, the puns! Uh, last week you you ended up hanging up on the episode. I mean, it may be me hanging. Up. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't blame you. It'll just, <laughs> it'll just be me talking for like the last couple minutes. Uh, what do you think, Jake? Uh... <laughs> we lost Jake. Um, yeah, uh, this is the end of the episode. Uh, episode two hundred is uh, coming up real soon. Yeah, uh, episode 200, if you weren't around for episode 100, what we do for 200 is the episode is about you. The episode is about you. It's whatever – we're going to have uh, – I think I've got like 13 guests that are going to be on the uh, podcast. Everybody, I'm going to be reaching out to you soon either by email or Facebook message if I can do that. If you If I have connections with you on Facebook, I'll be reaching out to you. But it's like we're not going to be bringing content that week, Jake. I mean if a big story breaks – We'll probably talk about it. Hopefully somebody will bring it up. But it's about what they want to talk to us about. It's just our way to kind of like pay back all of our listeners 
for all like all the hours that they've listened to us. Yeah, listen to me. I'm like sound like a fucking like uh, like a telethon right now or some shit. I'm excited. I, I think episode 100 is easily in my top 10 recording recording sessions. It was fun. Guys. It was fun. So how we do it is like um, we have a. I think we're gonna do it last, like, like last time. Like, we basically, we had somebody come on, we talked to him for like 15 minutes, and then we bring on our next person. And the person that was there for the first 15 minutes stays on for the next 15 minutes. And after those 15 yeah. minutes end, then that first person leaves, and it's kind of like a rotating door. And it's, it's a good way for members of the leftover army to kind of like even be able to talk to each other. People that haven't talked to each other before can now kind of like, talk to each other on the podcast and they can do what we do and cut one another off all the time. And, um, you know, it's just going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to talking and yeah, we've got some new people joining us. I mean, we've got some, we've got some oldies, but goodies coming back, you know, that have been on the show before. Uh, but we have some new listeners, uh, that are going to be joining us, uh, yeah, joining us as well for the first time. Yeah. Hopefully some, someone brings up game of Thrones. I'm sure we'll be, I'll be really hype on it in we, about three, four weeks here. Yeah. Um, what have you been thinking about these uh, first three episodes? Uh, I think they've been incredible. Uh, it's been really good. It's yeah. not. It's been exciting the entire time. I love yeah. it. Yeah. So yeah, I can't uh, wait. We'll, we'll, we'll probably talk about it at the end, huh? Yeah. What was uh, what was the rumor that I heard going around? Somebody said something about uh, like the theory that's going around is. Uh, um, and guys, I haven't watched. I mean, we're recording on Sunday night, so I don't know if any of this shit has happened. Um, it probably hasn't. It seems a little premature. But uh, the theory going around is that Jamie's going to kill Cersei. Yeah, I've heard a bit of that. I, I would, I would actually. That would be great because I would uh, like her and Jamie to wake up and kind of do that. Who was it? Like, didn't Jamie kill? Was it? And I'm not so good with the characters like you. Did Jamie kill the Mad King? Yes. So Jamie killed the Mad King, and the Mad King would go. He would like he 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 got enjoyment out of watching people die by fire, watching people. Yeah, burn. He, was, he was like burning like the citizens and everything. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and that's so, why Jamie is also known as the King Kingslayer. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So like, but in this last episode uh, that I saw, uh, we saw Cersei get turned on after. You know, killing the daughter and torturing um, her mother down in that uh, dungeon, and want to want to have sex with Jamie, and it turned her on. So it kind of like mirrors that, correct? I mean, yeah, agreed. I thought it was kind of a little bit of a reverse scene when uh, the same four. thing happened the other way around at Joffrey's grave. Yeah, season four, where yeah, yeah season four where. Um, he forced himself on her, and now she forced himself herself on him. Yeah, absolutely. But I think it also mirrors, you know, him killing the Mad King and him getting off on the fire, and now here she is getting off on on that. And I think I think history may repeat itself. Uh, he might be. Yeah, I don't think he's too anti Cersei torturing the people that killed his daughter. No, 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 no. I, I just I. I but if she took it to the next level on undeserving people, I, I could see what you're saying being right. That's yeah, exactly, exactly. I, I think I think it's going to all come to a head, and we're going to see that. Now, season season seven is it going to be is it going to be the big battle between uh, 
the armies with uh, Cersei, and then then going into season eight, then we're going to have our White Walker battle. Uh, I don't know. I hear a lot of people projecting that. I kind of hope that's not the case. Yeah, because uh, I would I, I would prefer Cersei to be around for the whole series. I I was kind of wanting. Uh, you know, I think Cersei and them kind of need to be in that battle too. So I agree. I agree. Yeah. I hope. Even if that is the case, I hope somehow Cersei is still a chess piece in the whole thing come next season. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting. But yeah, I've, been, I've really been enjoying Game of Thrones. I really enjoyed that third episode, just seeing uh, the John and uh, Daenerys on screen together. Unreal. That was amazing. Oh, yeah. So. It was amazing. Yeah. Oh, so good, so good, so good. Right. Well, I can't wait. As soon as we hang up here, I'm gonna go grab something to eat and watch that noise yeah all right yeah i'm gonna let you go that way you can fucking watch i'm gonna watch it uh, probably tomorrow morning so i, I gotta hit the hit the fucking hay hit uh, the hay yeah all right guys uh just like all good leftovers saying they're doggy bags thank you for your patronage and thanks for listening and uh we'll see you see you next week all right later everybody later Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Toss it, good it, do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carryover, counterculture, pushovers, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said, leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture leftovers. Podcast that originally good. Have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft and we're the shaft of crap, even though we're the shit. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carryover, counterculture, pushover, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, pushovers, pop culture. Leftovers. Uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.